Hey, welcome to Pod of Mercy. I am your host, Longhair Linda, and today's returning special guest co-host is... Hi, it's me, Nathan. Hello, hello. How are you this evening, Nathan? Well, it's evening for us now. I don't know what time it is that the listeners are listening to this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not too bad. Uh, mainly just boring day at work and whatnot. The usual. The usual, the usual. Hopefully. How are you? Um, well, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Not too bad. Um, hopefully this can kind of liven up the uh, last part of your day, Nathan, talking about Mr. Robot <laughs> season two. So we've, we've changed things a little bit, listeners. If you listen uh, yeah. to uh, Mr. Robot, by the way, if you can hear a very loud rumbling in the background, um, it is a random plane ab- above my home. <laughs> I don't know why it's so loud. I don't know if you can hear it, but just, you know, ignore it. Um, yeah, I don't know if you listened before. I can hear it vaguely on my end. Can you? Okay, so then it will pick up on the recording. Sorry, listeners. Um, <laughs> um, so we did uh, Mr. Robot season one. We had two episodes on that, on the podcast, and we spoke in detail about e- each episode. So we kind of decided instead of going literally scene by scene, we'll try and just do like a summary of each of the episodes but we've still split them up so season two has 12 episodes so we're only going to talk about the first six today are you ready nathan yes definitely cool okay so um let's start then with just your thoughts on kind of how it started how you know because it wasn't it was a twofer it was episode one and two aired at the same time i believe um so how did you feel about the the episodes as a whole about the beginning of season two i remember well i remember watching these like live as they were going up because um i think like amazon prime was doing them the day after they aired in america mm-hmm. and like i remember thinking it was a bit slower than season one on watchback i'm enjoying it a lot more than i did the first time because i can binge it this time but when i had to watch it week by week by week i was a bit little bit miffed um but yeah, the first the first two episodes i i enjoyed them a lot more on the rewatch because of knowing that they're setting up more kind of stuff like it's overall it's a bit of a slower season compared to season one like you might have found that yourself as well i did so i did notice that there was more of a focus on yeah, it definitely feels like you're setting up stuff. Like as you watch it, yeah. it feels like, oh, this is going to mean something more, you know, either later in the season or in future seasons. Um, yeah, not as fast paced as season one, but still very enjoyable. I don't know if it's because I am mm. still currently, you know, binge watching them. I didn't have to. Um, I, I think I, I started to watch season two and kind of gave up after the, the second episode back in the day. Um, but watching it now has actually been, it's been more that I just didn't have time to get through it, but I could have sat there and just binge watched the whole thing um, in one sitting if I had to, because it was it was interesting mm. to me. But it is slower. I, I definitely know what you mean about the pacing. It's more it's more about the characters than anything on this one, I yeah. think. Like they're, they're, they're focusing more on the character than focusing on the plot as much. Yeah, absolutely. And it does make you do a lot of questioning. So let's just get yeah. straight into it. Let's get straight into it. So uh, the twofer, episode one and two. So the opens with Tyrell Wellick 
wearing the uh, anonymous-esque mask, the uh, F Society mask, as Elliot executes uh, his hack. So it kind of takes you back a little bit into the moment that the hack happened. Um, so we're realising we've been taken back to the night that Elliot had blanked um, in, in the final episode of season one, if you remember, he kind of blanked on what had happened. And then it was like, ah, the world ending kind of thing. Um, so Elliot reaches for something in the popcorn machine. Then we cut away to the moment after he fell out of the window as a kid. So before I move on, I just want to point out, because you did say, and I didn't see it as I was watching it. I obviously found this out from you when we spoke about it, but you mentioned yeah. that there was a gun in the popcorn machine at the arcade. Yeah, it was the gun that Darlene had on her. That um, they, they made her like ditch it and she ditches it in the popcorn machine. Yeah, see, I didn't even remember watching that. Like, I didn't remember seeing that. Um, it was only when we spoke about it on the podcast that I was like, oh, okay, there's a guy in the popcorn machine. And then, of course, that's the, one of the first things we see as season mm. two starts. So, so yeah, so we, we go, we see Elliot, he's reaching into the popcorn machine, it cuts away to the moment that he fell out of the window as a kid. So the hospital scene was super jarring. Um, his mum was just like super concerned about like the cost of treating his broken arm and like i know it's important to something but it was really quite disturbing to watch like nothing gruesome happened or anything it wasn't like mm. that but it was just like i felt very very uncomfortable i don't know how you felt watching that yeah it's it tells you a lot about his parents because obviously they don't really go much into his mum in the, into their parents in like season one other than little bits about the dad really but like it tells you kind of what his his parents outlooks on things yeah. So you can you kind of understand a little bit about why Elliot and Darlene are slightly the way they are. With obviously, it's looking like the like the dad is like a lot more of a caring person. The mum's just well, there's no money coming in now, so we need like we need this. We we can't be affording to have this. And just kind of maybe the misplaced anger kind of thing because wasn't it the whole thing of he was out the window because he revealed that his dad had cancer to his mum. I think they said yeah. in series one yes so that with like unexpected costs and everything else probably like stress in america i guess because all the well i mean yeah that is highly i can understand it from that point of view it is absolutely a joke like i just hear about americans talking about how they'd like don't call an ambulance like just get a taxi Mm. or something just because it will cost so much money you're just like oh my why should people be thinking this during an emergency but that is you know that's probably a conversation for another episode <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it was I, I felt that I was really jarring you definitely do get to understand his mum's um, outlook and personality a bit as well um, like you said it was just it was just very uncomfortable to watch but then mm. we do cut away to a month after the hack so Elliot's got a new daily routine which he calls his program um, giving, you know, very matrix. Um, he's living with a woman who's unknown to us right now, I think. Um, I mean, we later do find out that that's his mum. But to me, yeah. that I didn't know that at first. Were we supposed to know that as an audience? Do you remember? Um, I think that's part of what the previous scene is setting up because I think she appears in photos in season one. There's no direct flashback with her. There's just flashbacks with the dad. Right. Um, I can't remember his name. He's called Edward, I think. Um, Elliot's dad. I'm not too sure. 
I, but, um, yeah, there's like flashbacks to the dad, but nothing really about the mum. So I think that first scene sets up who his mum is. So you have a bit of a better inclination, but they don't really focus too much on her. So you're kind of guessing a little bit. It was weird. She was very much a background character in her own home. Like it was very odd. Yeah. Like even the way it was shot, like every scene, it it kind of felt, I mean, I guess he is, Elliot is the main reason you're watching the show, right? Especially at this point. So fine. The cameras are mainly focusing on him in every interaction he has. But I do think it's very purposeful how they position characters in front of the screen. Mm. And they, they're very, I feel like they're very, um, they've thought it out very well. Like it's very, very purposeful how they do it. And There's so, a really unique like cinematography to the show. Sorry to interrupt you. Like, yeah, but it's yeah. one of the most engaging things about it is that it's it's filmed like no other show. Like most shows use as much space as you can in the camera, and they've got like the lower third of like the corner is where the character is framed. Like you don't you don't normally do that in any kind of cinematography. You've got like your kind of your camera will be split into like night like a grid of like three by three so it's nine squares and you have to fill up the action in like certain places but they just they just do what they want with it it's 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 interesting to see it's very interesting and it's yeah it is very unique to watch as somebody who watches or who has in the past watched a lot of you know different types of series a lot i watch a lot of tv shows in general um less now but hopefully that will change again soon but um it is, it is very unique in, in the way that they do things. It's very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a lot of ingenuity in how they do it, which mm. is which is nice. Because even if someone like me, I don't really understand the technical terms like that. I just know that what I'm watching is different and is interesting. Do you know what I mean? I don't really know. Yeah. I couldn't tell you necessarily. I couldn't go into detail like you can, for example, or somebody who's, you know, into production and direction and that kind of stuff. I couldn't tell you the 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 thing that makes it interesting i just know that what i'm looking at i'm like oh i'm fascinated by this like it's so interesting to watch yeah. and they did actually because have a deep fake as well they yeah, had a deep fake yeah, the, of obama, uh, obama talking about tyrell wellick and f society which i was just like mm. oh my god i paused it and rewound it watched it again so just that was so cool that like bearing in mind that season two it's not that it's coming out now you know this was what 20 2016 2016 and I know deep fakes have been around for a minute, but that was pretty, that was a great mm. deep fake. That was really good. This is going to be affecting our economy in ways that are extraordinarily significant. The FBI announced today, and we can confirm that Tyrell Wellick and F Society engaged in this attack. It caused a lot of damage, and we will respond. We will respond proportionally, and we'll respond in a place and time that we choose. That's not something that I will announce at press conference. We're basically similar to it. Have you ever seen the one um, when he announced that they got Osama bin Laden? He goes, we got him. And then the deep fake part is he leaves the podium he's on and just kicks the door open. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it reminded me of like the same. I guess it was a similar technique to when they did that. Because I think the uh, video they use is possibly from around that that kind of thing i'm not too sure it might be i remember i remember seeing a thing at the time where someone traced what the actual original video was but i can't find it now i did have a look for it it might be it might be around that time uh yeah so i thought that was cool we saw the deep fake uh, and we also did meet elliot's new friend so we got uh, leon 
who's his new friend. Mm. Now, I have a question about Leon. Yeah. I don't want to spoil it for myself. So <laughs> feel free to not answer. But I'm just going to put this out here. Leon, is Leon real? Is he a real person? Don't answer it, because I'm sure it will be. I just don't <laughs> think, I don't think Leon is real. I have a, I just it's have a best, feeling. The best part of these things is because I know, like, the, like, I've forgotten episode by episode, but I remember the general kind of plot things that happen. So, like, hearing you ponder about them, I'm just here, like, some sort of master, just like, yes, I know, <laughs> I know exactly what's going on. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I really don't want to spoil it for myself, but I'm just like, no, no. I keep looking at him, going, oh, <laughs> "Is I mean, is he?" And then they'll like have a conversation, and I'm like, "Well, not really a conversation because Leon just kind of talks to him." But there'll be those mm. moments, and I'm just like, "No, no, he's he's got to be. He has to be real because this is happening." And I'm like, "Yeah, but is he?" <laughs> like, so I've been doing a lot of that with Leon. But we met Leon. We met uh, Hot Carla, who's the local pyro. Uh, his church group. Elliot says that he needs to socialize himself. It's good for him. So he's joined a church group as well. He is back in therapy with a lovely Krista. And he tells Krista that he's been staying with uh, his mum because she's the strictest person that he knows. He can't trust himself and then clarifies that he doesn't trust him or us as the audience as he walks home. Hello again. Yes, I'm talking to you this time. I'm sure you wanted to hear what I told Krista back there, but I'm not ready to trust you yet. Not after what you did. You kept things from me. And I don't know if I can tell you secrets like before. Friends are supposed to be honest with each other, and you weren't. It's gonna take a while to rebuild this relationship. Talk to your friend again? Thought we were done with all that. Here. Check that out. Lots of nicer friends in there for you. I've always, I've always loved that bit where they kind of reference, like, that he, the audience is another thing in his head as well. Yes, we are absolutely. Like, I love they still commit to that. Yes, we are absolutely a character, a character that Elliot has invented in his mind which is very, again, very fascinating to be part of because it does draw you into the show a bit more, at least it did with me. So we also find out Mr. Robot is back and Elliot is trying to find out where Tyrell is. Mr. Robot is just like, I can't tell you, I can't tell you, and then shoots him in the head. <laughs> Elliot says, are you done? And goes back to journaling. And it was such a violent scene for it to just end <laughs> like that. Like he legit, he did just shoot him in the head. Like he shot him in the head. There was the blood splatter at the back of his head. He fell backwards onto the bed. Like it was just so, there was that gunshot in his forehead with just blood mm. dripping down his face. It was like, wait, what am I watching here? Like he, what? He wears a bandage layer as well, doesn't he, for it, if I remember he right. He does. He's got like he, a bandage all around his head for it. I watched this but back when we were originally going to do this. I watched must watch these like months ago when we were originally going to do this like this podcast. So I'm trying to remember episode one and two as well as I can. Yeah, uh, yeah, he absolutely did start wearing a bandage. Very weird. It just again shot beautifully and all that, but just what <laughs> are we are we okay? Great, let's move on then. So some people wearing F Society masks saw off the Wall Street charging bulls ball. That was a or bulls. That was a um 
a scene that I made sure to make a note of because I thought that was poignant and very interesting as uh, I'll probably keep saying throughout <laughs> this episode it was very interesting and fascinating it is basically the F society has like you can see the like the beginning of it becoming like a cult phenomenon now like they freed the people kind of yes. thing it's it's giving like very reddit like do you know what i was thinking of as well with some of the scenes with um with the f society's following right um mm. it definitely gave me a feeling of when people on reddit kind of banded together recently with the stock market <laughs> And how, oh just, god, yeah, you know what I mean. And how just little simple things of little simple examples like that of people coming together, like mad mm. shit can legit happen. And that's kind of the vibe I was getting watching this, even though obviously this was mm. five years previous, or it aired five years previously, and it's obviously mm. fictional. But it's just that I couldn't help but make those kind of correlations with what was going on in the program, and also what happened with the stock market when people on Reddit just decided to like tank something. <laughs> yeah and like people kind of like went like a big movement and people kind of like all no i feel i feel like i started a sentence and i had nowhere to go with them like a bit like a big movement everyone kind of jumping on this big movement like a bandwagon type thing them, yeah, yeah but some people using it just as an excuse to kind of go a bit wild on some stuff like because like f society had a meaning and then you've got these people that wear the masks but they kind of adopted the image just to do something a bit chaotic like that Oh, absolutely. There's always the anarchists, aren't there? But the, you see those in yeah, everything. Like, yeah. Even when you look at the global BLM movements uh, last mm. year, like particularly after the sort of um, everyone was at home, everyone was paying attention. And then we had the video circulating of police brutality, namely uh, the murder of George Floyd. And it was just like mm. you just saw people starting to protest absolutely everywhere and then there were obviously there'd be an agenda with certain um footage and certain media footage that we had would depict all of the anarchists and and try and act Mm. as those people made up what the the movement or the protests were about and it's just always the way you're going to have those select few people that don't give a shit about what the movement is oh are we just going to create chaos and destruction i'm down (laughs) like they're just there to to take part and i don't know if that's if that was the vibe of the 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 more, people that were yeah. scoring off the the balls, but I mean, you know, more power to them, I guess. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm trying to remember if anything like twenty if anything big was happening around about 2016. So like with the first series, they were on the button with some like issues, like slightly with social issues around that time anyway. With season one, well, 2016 but was a mad one. Uh, a lot of mad shit was happening in the in the mm. states. Um, it, was it was Colin Kaepernick was that year, wasn't it? Yes. Right at the knee. Yes, yeah. yes. It was also uh, the year that Trump won. Uh, there was a lot leading yes. up to that. There was a lot of stuff with Clinton, uh, with with Hillary Clinton, and then Bill got brought into it. And there was all that emails bullshit. And then it was like Trump not releasing taxes and there was stuff going on with Wall Street as well. There's mm. massive things going on. I think there was just a lot happening. 2016 was a very, I remember it being a very weird fucking year for politics and social mm. issues and everything. So I think they were picking up on a lot of that stuff. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Well, then we cut away to this lady who is in a very, very fancy smart home and the tech just keeps fucking up like her fitness watch and like every part of her home systems are just 
glitching and crazy and there's loud music and stuff's like looking like it's gonna blow up or electrocute her and it's just super chaotic she's on the phone with the smart home company and ends up having to leave her house um and to go to a different house that she has in greenwich because she can't unplug anything it's all attached and put together in the walls which i remember thinking as i was watching i didn't actually write this down but i do remember thinking uh that it's very interesting i mean i don't know if there is a correlation but the fact that she specifically mentioned that she can't unplug anything because it's in the walls and do you remember at steel mountain when they um elliot managed to do the hack because he he hacked into the temp temperature controls in the wall yeah yeah i just thought i i was like mm, i don't know if there is something there if i'm just thinking too much into it because i feel like i have to while i'm watching mr robot but i feel like there's something maybe there that's a little bit poetic maybe i don't know I think it might be part of kind of that she's got such a, I don't know if it's, this is my interpretation of it, she's got like this amazing smart home, you know, everything is automated and it's a case of, it might be very easy to unplug, but like it's kind of showing that people with all this smart technology kind of go away from the simple solutions of, mm. like you could just unplug it, like whether she, like even like some kind of like small little off offhand joke, maybe. I'm, I'm not yeah, too sure. Like it was my interpretation of it, of it. Yeah, that makes like sense. the whole thing of like just turn it on and off again. But the thing is, that like works. It was probably, probably quite simple. Yeah, but it was That's the quite thing that people say because it how. works. Oh yeah, it solves ninety percent of the problems I have at work. Honestly, with like almost anything, if you turn it off and turn it back <laughs> on again, usually it will work. Yeah. Like literally almost anything, and I yeah, I think that's that's weird, but it's mm. it's very true. Well, so all of these alarms have been going off. It's crazy so she's leaving now and as she leaves everything calms right the fuck down the alarms calm down like they turn off all the lights and all the flashing things and moving blinds and whatever else everything just calms right down goes right back to normal as soon as she's left and we see that it was in fact darlene who was hacking her home the interesting thing about that really quickly is mm -hmm. i watched a video recently um you know joe lysett the comedian no so he's got a basically like a show on channel four it's like one of those consumer ones where it's where like if you have a complaint about a company doing something that seems a bit unethical he'll investigate it okay and he had one about smart objects because it was something about um smart watches that amazon was selling that could be easily hacked and he had um chris kamara and someone else go into this like house that had like a load of smart stuff in it and all him and this hacker had to do was get onto the Wi-Fi in the house and they could control everything in there then. Oh, so I've it's, heard it's about... something that is possible to do, yeah. Yeah, I've heard about like, people quite hacking there. into smart systems based on just getting access mm. to your Wi-Fi. I've yeah, heard of Smart that. cars as well, I've heard of them doing as well. Like, yes. you can, like they can turn the engine off mid-drive as well, like using it. Oh, that's not scary at all. Jesus. <laughs> well, um we do move away to see gideon oh gideon um elliot meets with gideon and we find out there's no more all safe at this point uh gideon has had to furlough everyone and the fbi believes that gideon was complicit with the hack or in the hack um gideon is asking for help so he's talking to mr to to elliot but mr robot is like kind of behind him being like hmm. 
you know, no, and it's kind of just fucking with him. And Elliot says that he can't help and Gideon threatens to basically dob him in. So this is the point where Elliot then wraps this bandage around his head <laughs> because of this fake gunshot wound that just won't stop bleeding. And um, Elliot seems to think he's very set that if, you know, his if he sticks to this really strict regimen, that will help him get control until Mr. Robot is gone and he can get back to normal. Mm. Now, I know that we are a character in his head and that us as an audience, we, we're only really seeing what we've been shown, which is everything that, you know, from from season one, episode one. What who's he trying to convince is like, what's normal? Do you know, because we've never seen him normal. So but he's talking to us when he's having those moments. I'm just like, well, what what is normal? What's his idea of normal? Because he, he like observes people and kind of he's like trying to learn essentially anything that has a routine because his life doesn't have a routine yeah that's essentially it he's thinking like normal is you have a routine like you wake up a certain time you go to work a certain time you get home a certain time you have dinner a certain time you go to sleep a certain time so that's that's basically what he's in his head what he's trying to do because he thinks that's what normal is yeah i guess if you are just observing people in the way that he does you Hmm. you probably will miss out on like all you will see is routine all you will see hmm. is the repetitive stuff because he just watches people's behavior, but he doesn't, he can't relate to it in, in most ways. Do you know what I mean? Like he's not empathizing with it. He's not relating yeah. it to something that's happening with him. So he doesn't get the full context. He's just looking at, you do this, you do this, you do that. It's just that order basically. So I think, yeah, I think yeah. Right about that. that probably is his. It's very, it's very performative basically. Like he's putting on a routine of, ha- of having a routine. Yeah. But really, his life is very unreliant on any kind of routines. Like he's trying to, he's trying to act like he has a less interesting life, where where someone will try to act like they have a more interesting life. Mm. Yeah. Well, we're back at the uh, the woman's smart house that Darlene hacked, and um, we cut to it's a it's a scene of Darlene just on the ground crying, and she's clearly not doing that well either. So it's really not just Elliot. <laughs> she then kind of has to put this, you know, face on and and goes out to where a group of people are cheering and taking videos with the charging ball balls. And uh, it looks like she is now the leader of the new F society and the smart home is now their hub, at least for now. We find out that the woman who owns the smart home is called Susan Jacobs and she is general counsel at Evil Corp or E Corp because we see it as both now, don't we? We see it as Evil Corp because yeah. of Elliot, but also we do see mentions of it being E Corp, which is that important? I feel like that's important. Um, I think it kind of lets you know whose perspective you're right, like looking at things from. So like if you're seeing it as E Corp, then you're seeing kind of someone what's else actually happening because we know that like Elliot's such an unreliable narrator and if it's going on where it's evil corp we might not be seeing exactly what is happening we might be seeing it kind of sugarcoated away he wants us to see it or how he wants to see it yeah. I've not thought about that one to be honest but I do like, wonder, I, 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 I didn't cling on to that I do wonder if, because I get that, like I get like we, because we only ever, season one, I think we only ever saw things from his perspective the entire time. Mm. 
even even till the end because we didn't know how the hack happened we just knew that the hack happened so even up until right at the end of of season one we only ever saw things from his perspective i do wonder if we're seeing from someone else's perspective and not just what's actually happening there is something that Mm. kind of plays in my mind a little bit like are we just seeing this from now someone even though they might not be narrating to us in the same way that elliot does are we just seeing it from another skewed perspective just not elliot's perspective does that make sense i don't even know if i'm making sense anymore but this is what happens to my brain when i'm watching mr robot (laughs) i'm overthinking absolutely everything to the point where I confuse myself half the time. <laughs> so because of like because of how season one went, right? Like with like the twists in season one. Did you keep yourself a bit more alert trying to create your own theories going through this one? I uh, full disclosure, I do that anytime anything is even slightly interesting <laughs> or complicated. Like you should have seen me uh, watching Game of Thrones. I would theorize absolutely everything. I would theorize what's going to happen in the next episode by the end of the season. Like I, that's how I am. If something has twists and turns and is written well, I'm theorizing everything. I'm trying to guess what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm coming up with alternate endings and all type. Like my brain just will do that when I watch this type of stuff. So the the short answer is yes. <laughs> so, I remember, um, go on. Because I, I was kind of like, in, I was like looking at like all these different discussion things about this as it was going along. So like I was trying to figure out any kind of like twists as it going along. And I remember there would be there was a thing a while back of somebody who guessed the entire season correctly. No, how? I have no idea. He just kind of I think it was based on a couple of the episodes as he went along. He was like, okay, this is how I think it's going to go. And then the bloke who actually writes the show. I think like I think he replies to the guys like nice job. Bloody hell. I mean you would, wouldn't you, if they bloody guessed mm. the whole thing. Because it's not like it's an easy show to predict. Like there's predictable shows. Yeah. This is not one of them, at least not for me. So yeah. Oh bloody hell. Okay. Well then um we go back to Darlene. Or well, we're still with Darlene, I think, here. Um I, I'm not really trying I'm trying not I did I did try to write this not scene by scene <laughs> as I was watching it. But Darlene doesn't feel like the hack made anything better and now it's actually worse and they are in a war. So that was the main thing. There was a lot of dialogue and all that type of stuff, but that's the main thing I took out of what she said. Because I thought that was, and it's clarified a bit more as we go on, but I think that was such an interesting, I keep saying interesting, I need new words. But I, I thought it was really cool how they made a point to show that it does still make things worse, like how like the hold that these types of corporations actually have on our society Mm. and even with a massive large-scale hack of the millennium like this obviously fictional for us but even something like of this magnitude still they're getting away with absolute murder because we then go to the bank of e and they can't verify any payments that have been made by customers due to the hacks and I just thought, oh, God, we just can't win. Like, it was supposed to erase debt. But now people, like the banks are now saying, well, we can't give you any money from your account because we can't tell how many payments you've made. And for all we know, you haven't made any of these payments on your mortgage or your car or whatever mm. else you've got from the bank. 
And it's just like, of course, everything, of course, it's going to make problems worse because these corporations have such a hold on everything that we do that it's like even something like this that seems like it would be amazing and would free everybody could end up making things so much worse. It's a very realistic kind of portrayal of the revolution. Yeah. Because everyone thinks it'll, it'll all be perfect. You, you overthrow like the big company, everything's perfect without taking like the trickle effect of it all into account just horrible and seeing like the the way that and and the teller is doing their job but the way that that bank teller just kind of says it so nonchalantly to this this older woman who's just kind of like but i've made all my paint and i was just like oh i hate them i hate them all like it will make you a freaking anarchist this show man <laughs> like if you were not anti-capitalism before watching this makes you feel like oh my god i hate them all yeah, but anyway in that scene in the bank they are also currently being hacked the bank um one of the staff is F Society, and uh, uh, we, that we see, we kind of spot them because it's that guy with the hair. I still don't know his name. I was trying to figure out his name as I was watching episode six last night, and they they didn't say it once. I don't think so. I still don't know his name. Which guy was that? The guy with the Mobley. 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 Oh, Mobley. M O B L E Y. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, Mobley. Uh, Romero is the older guy, and yeah. the woman with the i want to say hijab, hijab. i think it so. is a hijab uh that's trenton what's her name trenton trenton yeah trenton okay i'm really bad with names i only remember romero but oh, trust me how do you think i felt for game of thrones i by the end of that show i'd watched every episode but i didn't know a single character's name bar like the key people yeah i'd if it if it wasn't like Cersei <laughs> I don't know I don't Daenerys that's I've, that's all I've got for you like honestly it was so hard keeping track of of people's names and I'd get confused with some of them that were really similar as well like Miss Andy and Melisandre I used to call mm. Miss Andy Melisandre even though Melisandre is the evil one or the red woman or whatever mm. but like I don't want to just call her evil but yeah like it was weird that there would be certain names that were really similar like that and just really the worst were the names that were very close to real names but were just slightly off like why <laughs> why would you do this it's like jane it's like jamie it was spelt like j-a-i-m-e yeah spelt really weird like it just seemed pointless to spell it that way it was such a weird thing yeah really weird they still spelt it wrong every time anyway uh Oh, um, anyway, back to Mr. Robot. So we are at E Corp and Susan. So Susan is the general counsel, remember, guys? And she is also the owner of the smart home that is now F Society's new hub. Susan discusses uh, the, with the chairman of the board, Philip Price, and the CTO, Scott Knowles, remember him, about the $5.9 million ransom that's supposed to be delivered by a chief officer. Scott Knowles volunteers and says he will deliver it. So he's, they're following the instructions of the ransom. They're, this ransom, by the way, has been set up by F Society. They've got a hold of uh, the system. Again, they were hacked at the bank. They've been hacking everything since. So we're now at the park. They're following instructions, and it's Scott Knowles. He's got money. So uh, at the park, F Society has something delivered by bike messenger to Scott, who's waiting to hand off the money. And there, inside this, um, you know, package was uh, an F Society mask and something else, which I couldn't tell what it was at that time. 
He then gets a phone call threatening to expose something unless he wore the mask and burned all of the money. I still don't really know what it is. I don't think I made a note if we did find out. Do you, what was what was the threat? Why why? Do we know? I I don't recall now. Because I, I can't think of anything that he that he did previously in the series. Not that we were shown, right? Yeah, not that not that we were shown. Because obviously like as far as it as far as we were concerned, like his character was kind of not one of the good ones, but one of the like not one, not one of the evil ones either, even though he did work for Ecorp. Yeah, like he was like I a typical person you might not was. like. Um, I don't think we actually found no, out. Nothing I can think of. No, I don't think we knew. It might be a later thing. I don't, I don't recall off the top of my head. Okay, I just wanted to kind of make sure because like, I didn't make a note of it here, yeah. and I don't know if it's something that might come up in another episode or something. So I don't know, but. Um, yeah, so he did it, though. He did what he was told. He put on that F Society mask. He burned all the money. Uh, we go back to Philip Price. Now, he's having a conversation with the government. Again, this is just going to show that they've got their claws in absolutely every part of society. And no matter what you do, shit still gets worse. They're having a conversation with, um, you know, Ecorp, the government, all that kind of stuff. And Philip is there. He makes a point of saying there's no con without confidence. And he makes a point of saying that he is not resigning. So, yeah, Philip Price is still evil, still around, still has power. Um, and that's that's pretty much where we left it in terms of um, E-Corp, I think. Oh, no, we do come back to it later. Hang on. Let's move away because we met Ray. We met Ray at the basketball park. And Ray is an important character. I, I could feel it as soon as I saw it. One, because the actor's Craig Robinson and they're just not going to cast him for shit. So <laughs> I already knew that his character would would be important in some way. So we met Ray at the basketball park and he somehow knows Elliot's name. He says, you know, that he's seen him around. He asks for Elliot's help and Elliot refuses. And he tells us that he's keeping himself analog to take away Mr. Robot's power. Um, thoughts on Ray before I move on? At that moment, obviously we know what's happening so, after. But... Yeah, so like when, when we introduced him, obviously we we just see him as like this quite one of those kind of knowledgeable background people. It's like, yeah. he's kind of like watching, but he doesn't seem like he's a threat in any way, mm-hmm. but you can see, you can see there's something still about him that Elliot's kind of a bit off put by, but that's just Elliot in general around kind of anyone he's off, off put by most people. So at the moment he seems quite harmless. Mm. Mm-hmm. but you, you it's, it's <laughs> like it's going to build to something yes i thought it was a pretty cool introduction i thought it's a typical mr mm. robot introduction i i had questions from the introduction so i was already second guessing what was real what wasn't why does he know him what's going on the uh, confusion so it's it very typical for this show we then meet, we no, not meet, but we re-see <laughs> Joanna Wellick. Um, she has a, um, a friend <laughs> and she, you know, she's still getting her little, you know, rocks off while Tyrell is doing whatever the hell he's doing. She is still very much having a good time with her guy friend. 
So She's living her best life, you know. She is living her best life. And about an hour into an hour into the episode, I believe, we finally see Angela for the first time. And she makes it clear to her lawyer, if you remember her lawyer that um, had represented the class action suit in season one, she um, she makes it clear to her lawyer that she actually likes her job at E Corp and she will not be quitting. Angela felt like really lost, for lack of a better word, to me. She feels different at the beginning of this this season. Very different. Very cold. It's like they kind of had to kind of create a new character out of her, but because she's in a new job, I guess she's building a new persona for herself. Yeah. You know, like you don't often get to have like a big restart in such a simple manner. So like going to a new job, you have a chance to reevaluate yourself, rebuild yourself as someone else. But it was so drastic. It was such a hmm. to me such a drastic shift i'm gonna be okay i'm very positive about this show i'm gonna say something that's probably my my only critique i don't like the way they've written angela yeah she she seems like they kind of have changed her characterization a bit to kind of suit the plot and they flip-flop her too much for me for, mm. it's like it's not it's not believable because even as we go, and we'll discuss it as we go, but even as we go further into season two, she flips again. And there's mm. just such, I mean, look, humans will change their mind about things, we'll, we'll do things differently, we'll evolve, we'll regress, all of that kind of stuff. But it's just, it's very extreme for it to be, I don't like the way her character's written. I, and I don't understand why, it might be a thing um that will be explained later but i don't understand why her character is written so extreme when everybody else isn't because mm. i don't think anyone else is predictable but they certainly aren't as extreme i mean apart from elliot i think mm. elliot's pretty predictable in the way that he moves but they're certainly not as extreme as as angela i just feel it's very like it's too much for me almost when i'm watching it it kind of feels that would be my critique i think for the show is how they've written that character i'm not a fan yeah, Angela kind of, I found that during most of like the show, Angela kind of just was there to suit a plot thread or suit a plot line, kind of, she, like, she's well, excellently played, but she does, she never kind of develops much. Yeah, acting fantastic, like you say, very well played, not a, not a criticism of her acting ability mm. as an actress at all, I, I can't remember her name now, oh god. Uh, Portia Doubleday. That's, that's it um this is not in any way a criticism of her skill i think she's doing a great job at acting out what she's been given i just i'm not a fan of the way this character is developing mm. it feels like you, you said it, it just like she's just kind of molded and fitting into however the story is going to go like i kind of noticed it in season one but i just there was so much happening that i think maybe i didn't really zero in on it that much but you know, even the way she was written in season one, if you see from the beginning where she's like this childhood friend, this kind of super moral person and like, you know, the only person that kind of Elliot can, you know, that she can kind of see through Elliot and will be like, no, hmm. focus in on me again. Like, I don't like how you're drifting off. Like, kind of, uh, her, her main her main role in like season one seemed to be to help with the Darlene twist, really. So you had that scene of them doing ballet together. Yes, but then why was... Like that seemed like the key thing she was doing there. 
I think we what? notice it more in this series because obviously we got used to how she was in series one and now she's completely changed in this season. But even in season one, she changed. It was at the end. Like, that's what I mean. Mm. There's bits that don't make sense. Like at the beginning, how she was with Elliot compared to how she was with the boyfriend and the whole CD mm. thing, that's already very different for what we are trying to understand her character to be. And then we go back to the Darlene um, dynamic, like you said, with the ballet and getting to know who Darlene is. That makes more sense with the first version of Angela that we met, not the Angela with the boyfriend in the CD. And then we get the Angela that kind of closes off completely, which again, understandable trauma, all that kind of stuff. And then ends up working at evil. Like that doesn't make, that doesn't align with anything that we know of her. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. we're kind of getting, it's almost as if we're getting two different Angelas constantly. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It, it's it, it, like, like I say, it is literally like she's, they're just kind of having to suit the plot. They need something that pushes the plot along. So we've got oh Angela. Can oh Angela do, will do it. Fill this yeah. gap in. Fill this gap in. Yeah, not fan. But anyway, I digress. So, um, yeah. So she's you know evil corp. Not going to quit. All that kind of stuff. Elliot sees Ray again, and he realizes there was a brief gap in his memory and journal. He is not letting the Tyrell disappearance go. And he keeps trying to push Mr. Robot for answers. Um, then we have the very, very sad spoiler alert. I mean, you shouldn't really be listening to this if you haven't, because <laughs> it's a bit, or if you intend on watching it, you know, I probably should start off saying spoiler alert, but it's an insane person shoots Gideon in the neck at a bar. He was very much a QAnon type and was calling him like a crisis actor and using all of these kind of terms again very popularized in 2015 and 2016 so very on the nose there but um yeah he was kind of having this conversation with Gideon seemed normal and then he just turned really weird and then shot him in the neck in a public place and then said like he literally mm. said this is for our country and then killed him and it's, it's another one of those things that like it's it almost makes the show feel a bit timeless because like it's very much a realistic thing still happening to this day and age. Obviously not the the random shooting kind of thing, but like well, the, the crisis thing in crisis actors. Yeah, the crisis actors and things mainly. But yeah, of course, like the the, it's the random shootings as well. Yeah. Well, like I say, he was very he was talking like very much QAnon, very much or mm. Chan, very much certain areas of Reddit, um, wherever Pizzagate and all of that came from in real life. It felt very much that mm. they were definitely drawing from that type of place. And the episode ends mm. with Elliot. Which I thought was an interesting oh, thing to bring up as well. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I think I think our like voices delayed on this for some reason. I'm not too yeah, sure why. I think so. Um but but yeah, um yeah, I thought it was an interesting part to play with the whole conspiracy as well. Like they play with the like the whole not the conspiracy angle, but like um they play with a side that you don't really see on TV that often with like having the people who deny this even this thing is even real. Yes. Like you don't get that very often. So I thought it was an interesting angle to bring up. Um, and also I did a quick bit of research because it was Gideon was in a gay bar, I believe, wasn't he? Um, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, because so. this aired and obviously it's 
it's not. It's probably it's going to be absolutely nothing doing it. This aired um, after the Atlanta gay bar shooting. Oh God, yeah, of course. Like a month later, yeah. So that's like that's two big events that have like happened so close to an episode coming up that have happened in that episode. Wow. Yeah, because we had a couple of those in season one, didn't we? That where they couldn't mm. possibly have written for it, but. Yeah, the Ashley Madison hack and the journalist getting shot on the news report live. Damn. I believe it was. Hmm. Damn, right. Yeah, no, I, I totally had forgotten. Well, not completely forgotten about it, but I didn't, hmm. I definitely did not put those two together at all. No, it was, it was when I was doing some research into like people's live reactions to the show. It's like one of the things that came up with that. And I just thought it was. It, I'd, I'd not forgotten it happened again. I'd forgotten when it had happened. Yeah. Like I said, 2016 was such a weird, weird year. The mad year. So much happened mm. in that very short space of time. Like for it to just be like a 12 month period, it felt like the longest year mm. of ever. Like even longer than these like lockdown years. It, honestly, it was horrible. Well, 20, I didn't, I was not. It was bad. a notorious one where like all the celebrities that we grew up with died as well, wasn't it? 2016. Yes. Yeah. It was like David Bowie, Carrie Fisher, Alan Rickman. Yeah, it was a weird year. A very, very what an insane year. year that was. Jesus. So, yeah. So the episode, which uh, technically is episode two, because one and two aired together, the episode ends with Elliot on the phone, and he is talking to Tyrell Wellick. Dun, dun, dun. Always love Tyrell's catchphrase of just like Bonsoir Elliot. <laughs> Bonsoir Elliot. Yeah. Um, all right. So, thoughts on episode one and two as an opening. What did you think? It's it's slower. It's setting up interesting. It's setting up some interesting things. Um, but it, it, part of it feels like like they didn't quite know where to go from the end of season one a little bit. So they're having to kind of. Not make it up as they go along, but they're having to. Hmm, the word for this. <laughs> Brain's completely gone. Improvise. Um, improvise a little bit, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So they they haven't got like as clear a plot line yet as they did in like season one. Like season one, there was a clear objective, and that was to have the big hack. There's no clear objective just yet on this one. So they're spacing it out a bit more because they're focusing a bit more on the characters. And those little kind of like, not non sequitur moments, but you know when a show gets a little bit creative and has like a moment that doesn't really serve the plot, but it serves the characters a bit more to develop them. They're doing a little bit more of that. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I mean, I guess it is slow in, in those in those mm. ways but um in terms of things happening i mean it, it yeah. certainly kept kept my attention there was like all sorts of shit going on the burning of the money that was a lot there was certain scenes mm. that were just like whoa and then of course gideon getting shot i had audible gasp audible gasp like yeah that was a lot that was a lot for me it was one and two was a massive way to come back to a show <laughs> like i'm trying to think of it in like real time when it's airing however long the the gap would have been 
between the end of season one and the beginning of season two coming back to that i feel was just like whoa okay this show's back <laughs> like yeah to me but i get what you're saying about i thought three was a bit slower even though again mad shit still happened in three but speaking of three let's just let's just go into it so in episode three we're taken back to when leslie aka romero was uh, recruited to f society and how the arcade actually ended up becoming their first hq so leslie tells the very disturbing story behind the arcade which was originally named fun society amusement llc um, and leslie found out about it from his cellmate who um, believed that it was haunted and that the the arcade will make you crazy so I thought that was really cool that we got to see where this whole F Society thing comes from, mm. the whole story behind the arcade. I thought that was shot really well as well. It was kind of shot in a really interesting way where it's kind of um, the the back back and forth between, if I'm, I'm trying to use memory on this because it was a while since I watched two, but uh, sorry, three, but they um, they did a, I don't know, they did a really cool thing where they were bouncing back and forth, but it was still both in past time so there was no coming back to the present on in those conversations mm. but it was shot in a way that made it feel i don't know i don't know what i'm saying um there's literally cinematographers passing out right now that are listening to this like oh my god stop talking about it you're not making sense i think i get what you mean, I think I get what you mean. <laughs> so we're then taken back to present day and Elliot is on the phone with Tyrell, as it ended in uh, episode two. And he's trying to find out what the plan is and what happened that night. Mr. Robot shows up and hangs up the phone, saying that it's not safe to talk on the phone and that he de- he delivered since Elliot wanted to talk to Tyrell. At that moment, Elliot finds out from the news that Gideon was killed and his killer surrendered themselves on the scene. So this kind of sparks off um, deaths. So Leslie Romero is found dead in his grow house. Um, hang on, before we talk about the deaths, what, what is going on with this Tyrell thing? This is one thing that's really getting on my nerves. Where is he? What's going on? <laughs> because, um, spoiler alert, still don't have an answer by the end of episode six, and I'm getting quite annoyed. I'll be honest, I don't remember. <laughs> like, I don't remember much of the Tyrell stuff in the season. Like, I know he's he's around somewhere, probably doing something. He's, he's doing something. It is a, is a thing, though. Obviously, Mr. Robot says that, like, he's fulfilled the thing of getting him to talk. He gets to talk to Tyrell. Do you think that phone call actually happened? No. I don't. That's what. That's what's getting on my nerves. I don't think that phone call happened. But then later on, when he has come, well, when there's phone calls happening with Joanne or Joanna, Joanna, Joanna. Yeah, I think it's Joanna. Yeah, Joanna. Um, that that I think is Tyrell. I think maybe. I don't know. I don't. It's annoying me. (laughs) They they set up a lot of stuff that like just gets straight into your head now. Like especially you know, especially when you know what the the show's about. Because when you're watching season one, you're like, oh, I don't really know where this is going. Then you've got the whole thing of, oh, he's imagining this person. Yeah. Uh, He's he's okay. He's actually a tiny bit insane, a little bit. And then you start to wonder now: is what is going on? Is like that that's what i love about it is you've got this unreliable narrator because anything could be happening in elliot's side of things 
like everything that happens on everyone else's perspective is i would say like when you when you're with any other character everything happening is genuine when you're with elliot you do not know you really don't and and honestly it's so like i'm just the, the next scene really made me feel ill so so ill and it was elliot ODing on adderall Oof. to get rid of mr Propel. Right. It, was, it was how visceral it was <laughs> oh my it god was... this will live with me for a while i'm not gonna lie but so so basically he just starts taking all this adderall right and then he gets kidnapped on the way home he gets taken to some place and is force-fed cement right and because he's an unreliable narrator of course none of this is happening and it cuts to elliot throwing up all of this adderall like with Mr. Mr. Robot telling Elliot that he's buried deep in his brain and that he owns him. And then possibly the most disgusting thing I've watched, Elliot picks out the Adderall chunks from his vomit, swallows them, <laughs> and then says he will not be owned. I have burrowed underneath your brain. I am nested there. I am the scream in your mind. You will cooperate my son i will make you because i own you so vivid in my head how he does it as well because he's like he's on his hands and knees just picking through it's oh, oh god god it was fucking disgusting uh, i actually paused and had to stop for a bit so <laughs> that is grim that is the cement horrible. the cement part of that scene i thought was really good because it plays into the whole thing of like mr robot showing how much worse he could be making it for elliot yes you know, like as a as a way to convince him to throw up, he pretends to be he, he makes Elliot think this is really happening to him, so he has to throw up. Like I think that's quite an interesting when in reality he probably just you know Elliot just made Elliot put his fingers down his throat or something like that. Yeah. Likely that's all that happened, but mm. in his mind, Mr. Robot has made him has built this whole story, which is very, you know, relevant in as the season goes on, but or just even in what's already happened, but made up this whole story of him being kidnapped and force fed cement just so he'd make himself throw up like it's just yeah that scene was horrible i wish i'd never seen it but kudos <laughs> to them i guess um right so f society is concerned that they might be getting killed off by the dark army darlene doesn't think that this is the case but of course with all the deaths that have been happening uh, everyone's a bit on edge um back to Elliot. After that disgusting scene, remember he's now re-swallowed a bunch of Adderall and he's loving life. Mr. Robot is gone and he's even cracking jokes. He got to day five of no sleep and he started basically short-circuiting. Yeah. 
that was again shot in a really weird way. I don't know how I feel about those scenes. <laughs> what did you? What did you think? I think there was a similar thing in um, season one where Elliot said he was going to be more normal. And yes. Like that was creepy, but then Happy Elliot is like even weirder. It's, it's that scene where he he says like the dishes look immaculate, and it's it's just like it's it's just it's not even what a happy person would normally say it's what his idea of a happy person is he's just someone who like takes the pleasure in that kind of stuff and it's like it's just so it's just so eerily acted it's it's perfect like it's so perfectly acted throughout rami malik is is actually incredible Mm. and i know that because he scares me (laughs) and i think any good any any character that scares me when it's not a horror film it has to be down to the acting like do you know what i mean like yeah you can write it a certain way but there's a way that he delivers it there's facial expressions that he makes and just he scares me i'm not gonna lie um very very talented young man because elliot is happy elliot oh my god so weird so so weird it's it's bizarre how like a character just being happy like which you you want him to be happy because he, he's and then all of a sudden it's just like no this is horrible i want him to go back to normal <laughs> i want to stop i want to stop <laughs> go back to him being moody and confused and not really understanding what's happening and his eyes all big like let's go back to that because this is weird very disturbing so angela my favorite character um she again very weird energy she's gone to dinner with uh, philip price thinking that it's going to be just them i don't know if she thought it was going to be some kind of weird date or uh, what what again i don't understand how they've written this character i really i just don't so anyway she arrives there and there are two other guys sitting at the table with him and it happens to be a work dinner and the look on her face is as if she is disappointed they all have dinner together and philip says that he wants to have a drink with angela alone Uh, The other two dudes get up, leave. Uh, They've all had a nice time or whatever. And um, Philip decides to reveal that the men, Jim and Saul, were in the room with Colby when they decided to cover up the danger of the toxic waste dump that killed Angela's mum. Before I move on, (laughs) can I just say, if I haven't said it already, Philip Price's character is (laughs) literally all of the evil that you know goes on in the Mm. world in one man. It's weird as well, because like with that one, it feels to me like he thinks he's doing a nice thing for Angela. Kind of. Well, because he goes on he goes on to give her the evidence to put them away Mm. and says that even though they've been with the company for decades, they've gotten themselves involved in insider trading or whatever, and this evidence will destroy them. So clearly it's self-serving, but their look on his face is as if he's just done her a favor, but you just made us sit and crack jokes and see the humanity in these two people who are responsible in part for her mum's illness and subsequent death and subsequent debt that her dad has been left with and all the trauma that that's that's come from that 
I think part of it as well might be that obviously I think she's gone to this dinner with Philip because she's like she's moving up the ladder in the company. And I think she's gunning for kind of like a position near where he is. So she probably thinks, oh, I'll go go to dinner with, dinner with the boss, get good favour with him, you know. Like, I've worked at jobs before where the people who spoke to the managers more got better opportunities. And I think she's trying to get to that route. And I think that he's also doing a bit of a power move where he's being like, trying to make her a bit like him, where he's seen the humanity in them as well. But he's okay with telling them to fuck off. Like, he's okay with them getting arrested if she wants them arrested. Yeah. And again, it just shows, like, the way he will just discard people. Like, he's literally all of the all of the people that we think are behind all of the terrible shit that happens Mm. in the world like that's just amalgamated into one character that's just who he is and it's so weird to see what that look like to have a face put to that does that make sense like just to like it's not a scary kind of shadowy figure it's just this this one dude in a suit he looks like just a friend a friendly like a friendly granddad i don't i wouldn't go that far I don't know if I'd a friend, say... A friendly-ish granddad. I don't think he looks friendly. I think he looks human, but no, I wouldn't say friendly granddad. I mean, very friendly was the wrong word to use, yeah. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, it was the awful word he to use. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't look friendly, <laughs> uh, but he doesn't look as evil as he clearly mm. is, I think is probably... That's probably what I meant, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, well, we're introduced to a very quirky FBI agent. Now, if you watch a lot of TV shows like me, you will have seen this actress in other stuff, and she is great. She is fantastic. I'm a big fan of hers. Can't remember her name right now. Grace Gummer. Grace Gummer, thank you. Um, she's great. She was in uh, some other things that I've watched. She was in um, the main thing I remember seeing her in was, damn it, The Good Wife. Um, I remember I in an episode in um, American Horror Story because I watched, oh, started I... watching that recently, but I don't remember which one she was in. She's great. She's great. I'm a big fan Freak of her. Show. She, and she does the show. quirky thing very well. Very, very mm. just suits her. Like she's she's very comfortable in it, and I enjoy that. Um, so yes, quirky FBI agent. We don't know her name at this point, but we we know if you've seen up to where we're up to, and her name is Dom. And um, she is close to figuring out some things following Leslie's death. She talks her way into Leslie's mum's house uh, by offering to roll her joints because, you know, Leslie's not around anymore to uh, roll her joints for her and she has arthritis or something. And uh, while she's there, she's just very obviously snooping through (laughs) all of Leslie's mum's stuff. And she finds the end of the world party flyer which leads her to the F Society Arcade. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, the episode ends with Ray and Elliot sitting and chatting about how control isn't real. And it makes Elliot consider whether there might be a way to manage his relationship with Mr. Robot. And that was it for uh, for episode three. Again, obviously not gone into as much detail as we did first mm. time around because this is just something you have to watch. And also we don't have three hours <laughs> to, to do this i've still got to edit this and i'm not trying to do that again um but yeah what were your thoughts episode three nathan so 
I I quite I quite preferred episode three to be honest from episode one and two, but I think I've gotten used to them being a little bit. I keep using the word slower pace, and I feel bad using it because it sounds like I'm using it as an insult, and I'm really not. <laughs> like it's yeah, like sometimes I like a slow burn kind of drama, you know. Um, Dom is one of my favorite characters in the entire show. Yes, and I always love when they kind of how they introduce characters into the show with their small quirks so was it this one with her having her discussions with alexa he, oh. i don't remember or is that a later episode uh, that might be four might be four but yeah he, um, that some stuff like that conversation like she's she's i don't even know how to describe it. she's just like just a great character in the whole like the whole season when you watch the rest of it like she's great the whole way through um, yeah she's fab i'm a big fan even up to just six like she's great i can't wait to see what else she does like i like how she's she's quirky but she like figures stuff out and she's super like human i think i've said that a lot today but even like her i like her conversations with like the shop owner that you know does the best turkey sandwiches or whatever the turkey club sandwiches oh yeah and that one yeah i just love i love stuff i love little nuggets of stuff like that in in shows i find them really endearing and cool to characters especially when they're newer characters that they're trying to introduce i'm a big fan of that um as well i think the reason i like this episode a bit more is because it's introducing a lot more plot so yeah. you've got Romero being murdered, that's setting some stuff, like that's setting things in, setting wheels in motion, basically. So like now it's like, there's, there's, there's a plot line now, if that, may, if that makes sense. Like, it's not just, the like episode one and two felt a bit like the epilogue of season one. This feels like season two now. Yeah, like, I they, they were just finishing things off a bit and now they're, bringing it in a bit more but yeah it's 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 a it's a good episode of the whole adderall ODing thing is absolutely horrifying and it's the only thing i can think of distinctly from this episode that brings up in my mind whenever i think about this season it's just so fucking grim oh horrific horrific i see i see why you would say that i found this one to be a bit slower in terms of the action mm. side of things but definitely i i see what you're saying like one and two was a bit more chaotic and all over the place and more of a wrapping up of season one whereas this does feel more like a okay so what's this season about like this is mm. where they're introducing stuff so i definitely agree with you on that one I also I really enjoyed like Elliot's rant that he was doing in that um his Christian like Bible group. Oh yeah. Like about like the comparing yeah, comparing like getting hooked on drugs to being hooked on religion, how they kind of like they're addicted to similar things kind of. Like it's the, the show does a lot of that where you think it could be a kind of a potentially like a cringe a cringy kind of anarchist rant. But they quite nail it because of her, because of like how Elliot presents it. Like it's like they they write it really well that you kind of avoid that kind of thing. Like when you if you ever read the synopsis for the show, you just think, oh, this is gonna you like if you read some of the synopsis for the show, you think, oh, this is gonna be some cringy hacker thing potentially. Like when I first heard about the show, I thought, oh, I don't I don't think it's gonna be good. Then I sat down and watched it, and you realize that it, it's 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 not 
what you think it is like this there's, there's more to it but like, i i love that i, I highlighted a quote it was like getting people hooked on the drug of hope like that oh, quite yeah. stuck out to me in that rant yeah i like that one sorry there's just a siren going <laughs> by bear with me that one as well yeah god um okay so episode four we are taken back to when Darlene goes to see Elliot before F Society. Mm. Let me just wait for this. I don't know who this ambulance, police, fire engine. No, it's not fire engine. Ambulance or police is looking for or trying to help. It's incredibly loud. Is it parked up outside or just like driving by slowly? I feel like they, because I live around a lot of one ways. And I feel like they were at the front of my place and then went down the back. I think that's why it came back again, because that was too short of a turnaround. They hadn't stopped. They'd gone away. Um, it's different. I live in like the centre of town. So like I'm like a few doors down from like three different clubs. But like my windows, I've got like a two two window system. So I've got like an indoor window, then an outdoor window, which is must be like the original one for the building. Yeah. So if both of those are closed, I hear nothing outside of there. Oh. Except for like during the England games for the Euros. Like they, they managed to get through them a lot. Yeah. I tend to I tend to not hear very much. It's more, mm. it has to be loud stuff like that. Like especially because I'm I'm right at the top, I'm upstairs. Um but because I have a skylight in my room, uh, okay. if there's a siren, I'll hear that in my room. If the church bells go, I'll hear that in my room. And if, you know, like earlier on, there was a massive plane that was happened to be flying low, then yes, I will hear that as well. But in terms of like random noises and stuff, thankfully, I don't tend to get much of that. See, the worst one for me here is because I'm on the top floor as well in this building. Um, I've got like an attic above me, so that's quite hollow. So any animal that lands well I say animal any bird that lands on the ceiling on like the roof of the building that like echoes through oh but the seagulls in the morning are the worst but like a lot of time they're not really on my roof they're like across the way and I can barely hear them then when they're when they're elsewhere I do get the odd pigeon on my skylight and while that it's not hollow so it doesn't echo or anything but Mm. I will hear a little scratching of the claws and there have been times when I've heard a little tap 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 as I'm getting dressed and I look up and there's a pigeon watching me and I'm just like, oh, okay. It doesn't happen often, but it's happened enough times where I'm like, oh God, what the hell? And it kind of just stays in my mind. And like this, I just look up and there's pigeon eyes on me as I get dressed and I'm just like, oh, okay. There's this little um, kind of like windowsill outside my living room window. So I'll just be sat on my sofa in the morning, just like relaxing before I go to work. And I'll look and there's just like a couple of pigeons just sat there watching me through the window. But if I like, stand up or move slightly they just peg it and they're just gone but i had the window open the other day and a pigeon literally landed on my window and i had to yell to make sure it didn't come in <laughs> like it was, it was the most inhuman sound i've ever made in my life it was boiling hot and i just saw him land there i was like ah and then he, he was just gone immediately before i even got up <laughs> like the loudest thing in this place is the bloody hamster to be honest See, so like Neither that. Did you hear that? I heard like a creaking. Oh, that was a motorbike. I'll only hear like when it's like an obnoxious sound, I'll mm. hear it in my bedroom, which is the only unfortunate thing because of the skylight. It just, it's, you just hear everything. 
and I don't know yeah. why. It's very annoying. Yeah, I, I faintly hear cars, but there's not a lot because I'm. Well, it's like a road down the very bottom that goes through town, but that's not open during the day. It's only open after like half five. But obviously, I'm at work till half five, so I never get to enjoy that bit of peace. <laughs> but the things you see out there, like I saw, um, there was a bloke walking down the street, like holding this massive Bluetooth speaker, like walking down the street once before. Like he was just playing like the hardest bass. Like I, I, I put my head out the window, like I shouted at him to turn it off. And then he was walking down the street for a bit in silence and just starts playing that sea shanty that was like going viral a few months back. It's just like obnoxiously loud. <laughs> Oh, God. I could hear him through like both the closed windows. I've had like a dude on like a mini motor, but he broke he broke down on the side of the pavement. Like he's there, like trying to just like you know when like you're on a bike, but like you're not pedaling it, you like just pushing your feet across to make it move. Like, yeah, across the floor. He was doing that, but he was on a mini motor. So, like his knees were really high up. It's like he just looked really, just like a kid riding, it's like a guy riding a kid's <laughs> bike or something. <laughs> I remember seeing, um, I think it was uh, Gypsy Travellers on like their like, horse racing down that street before. Bloody hell. What is with the horse thing? <laughs> I have genuine no question. Idea. I, I genuinely don't. I've never understood it, but I know that it's a thing and I just don't, I don't get it. I don't either because they, they were down here for a couple of weeks a while back. They... They moved some of their stuff onto the car park that's just outside the football ground. They were there for a couple of days um, last month, and then they just moved along. But I don't know. That's the only thing I ever heard from them was when they were on there. Were like the proper just like being pulled like horse and cart, not not like a massive old traditional kind of cart, but like like a smaller kind of thing. Like a major two of them just come car. down. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I've always wondered why that was a thing, but because it's everywhere. Like, it's not Mm. just in certain areas. Like, whenever I've seen an area that's like inhabited by travelers, there will be the horse Mm. thing. And I'm just like, why? 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 Well, who made the decision? Well, that's. I don't, like, I don't know. Is it like? I find is it, it just like cheap. I don't. I was gonna say, is it cheaper than cars? But I, I at the same time, like, like the ones that like I that have been here before, they've got caravans. So surely they've they've got cars to move the caravan. They've got cars as well. Yeah, it's. I don't understand it. I really don't. Unless they they, I don't know, maybe breed them for racing or something. I have no idea. I don't know. Anyway, we've gone completely off topic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> episode four. Yeah. So we are taken back to when Darlene goes to see Elliot before F Society and she says, in it one. And I think that that's some type of like emergency code between them, mm. I think. So we find out it was all Elliot's idea to take the job that he'd been offered at All Safe and to take down Evil Corp. So he does this while wearing their dad's Mr. Robot jacket and the now F Society mask that Darlene had asked him to wear as a joke. So that's good. We get a little bit of context as to what happened before we were introduced to everybody. Something about the scene. I love the little flashes you get of them as as when they're being brother and sister. 
Yeah, me too. Because whilst Elliot is like doing his Mr. Robot thing and everything, you don't you don't get much of that. You only really get it in these flashbacks and just like them having an emergency code. They've got a whole film thing they're doing. Like I I love those little moments of them. Like that's that's a highlight of this season is you get a few bit more of these character moments, which is which is great to see. One thing it did does make the stuff in season one when he temporarily forgot that Darlene was his sister yeah. feel even more gross. <laughs> Just like, oh, you, you tried to kiss her and everything. Ew, gross. Um, I always forget that he did that. Like, I always think, remember the plot twist of like, oh, yeah, Darlene. Like, I forget it was even a plot twist. Yeah. At a certain point, I'm like, oh, Darlene's his sister. And I forget how we found that out. In a very gross way, but yeah, uh, that's what I thought of. I'm like, oh, this is so cute, and I'm like, oh, gross. Why did that pop into my head? <laughs> like, um, so in present day, Darlene and Elliot are meeting, and he tells her that he's seen what she's been doing in the news, and that she needs to stop. He's not happy about this, and uh, we cut to the arcade where the FBI is tearing it apart, and they actually found a bullet casing. Sorry if you can hear church bells, guys. It's 10 o'clock. No, I can't hear that. It's good. You don't I can't hear, hear that. Okay, good. I'm going to have them going off myself in a second. I never hear them from here anyway. They should be fine. Okay, good. Um, yes, yeah, so they found a bullet casing. So something's clearly gone down uh, mm. in the arcade. Might involve Tyrell, might not. This is all very upsetting to me. And uh, just as if they knew that I'd be annoyed with the whole Tyrell thing, we cut to Joanna, who is in a car park. Um, He's uh he's in a car with a guy called uh she's in a guy, car oh my god words she is in a car with a guy called Kareem who's all worked up about being questioned um not actually sure what he did for Tyrell but um she pays him is her, her bodyguard um is with her um, pay him and then he leaves real quick on him I think he's the parking attendant that get wakes up Elliot. When he's in Tyrell's car. Oh. Well, that means then Joanna knows what happened that night then. With that logic. I think she's she's like playing her own game at the moment. <laughs> like, I don't Isn't know what's she? going on. With I don't know her. what's she, happening with her. Because she was really suspicious of Elliot anyway at the end of season one. I thought she was acting in a very suspicious way. Why was she talking? I still don't know why she was talking to him in Danish. I, th- I think it's part of she probably. Well, I don't really. I don't. I like, I fully do not remember what happens to Tyrell in this season. This season, like it's fully gone out of my head. I need um, to like know. So I hope they explain it soon because six episodes in, I was really miffed last night when I finished six, and still nothing on Tyrell. But um, where was I? Oh yeah. So then they pay Kareem, her and her driver slash bodyguard. And he leaves. Then Joanna's driver reveals um, that funds are actually running low as Evil Corp or E Corp hasn't paid Tyrell's severance package. Apparently, it's not the FBI that's holding the money, it has to actually be E Corp themselves. So we then go to um, Angela, who's outside E Corp listening to, um, she's listening to one of her affirmation tapes in her earphones as. One of the guys from the dinner gets escorted out of the building by the police. So that's that's their artistic way of telling us that she did give in that evidence and dob them in. As was uh, Philip's suggestion, I guess, or with Philip's help. 
um yeah i wasn't a fan i'm gonna move on from these angela scenes because I'm just, <laughs> I, honestly even just reading them back i'm like yeah i really just i'm not a fan um elliot debates whether to reveal what he did to ray uh, but Mr. Robot stops him. What the hell was that about? Why would he tell Ray? I don't understand. Did you get that? Um, what, what was it he told Ray? Just remind me real quick. Well, he was about to reveal what he did, like that he was behind the hack to Ray. And it's Mr. Robot that stops him from saying anything. Obviously, it's, we know that it's just him. Oh, but... sure. I think it's I think it's just that right, Ray's got this quite trusting nature. You don't really say anything dark. And obviously, he... he they they've gotten on quite well, you know the little moments we've seen them together. Mm. Like he, he's someone who's got he's got like a similar philosophy, I guess, to Elliot. What if I do tell him everything about what I did? Krista doesn't even know that much. What if I could talk to someone about this? Maybe he's right. Maybe it could help finally unburdened me from you tell him anything and i will personally find the tallest building in the city and swan dive off of it ray has a point i can't hold this in any longer it's eating away at me you confess he goes to the law so what i'm okay with being on the hook i'll own it all maybe it'll even stop darlene from doing any more crazy shit at this rate she's going to end up just like gideon what do you think the dark army's going to do with the knowledge that you're all turncoats there's no play here. Wanna unburden yourself? Go jerk off. This, it's a road paved with your dead friends and family. You need that game a lot more than I thought. Or just, or just like kind of a, a philosophy that Elliot aspires to. So he kind of he, Oof. he maybe like he believes in him, it. kind of kind of trusts him a little bit. I guess. Yeah, maybe that's that. Um, yeah, Angela's seen again, the lawyer, she's trying to, she's trying to convince her lawyer that she's, um, that working with Philip is the right move and that he followed through because he's provided this evidence on Jim and Saul, blah, blah, blah. Ugh, I'm not a fan. Moving on. Krista wants to talk to Mr. Robot. She tells Elliot she wants to talk to him. I wanted to get your thoughts on this because obviously this hasn't been actioned yet as uh, as far as what we've seen but what do you think about that do you think that would make any sense or whether that would be a, a good watch for us as obviously this tv show first and foremost like would it be interesting if they did actually do that um sorry remind me again sorry so krista the therapist tells elliot yeah. that she wants to talk to mr robot so it's very that, much yeah, like right, what yeah, happens so. when when we i don't know if you watch a lot of shows or, or um movies with people with um, personality disorders mm. but like or people with multiple personalities like that's one very common thing that therapists say and i wanted to get your thoughts on whether that would whether you think that should happen and whether it'd be a good scene to see I, a robot interacting with krista mm, i think there's been moments where maybe chris doesn't know it, but she has maybe slightly interacted with like a, t- a toned down version of mr robot but i think i think her interaction with mr robot she'd regret it because I think Elliot can kind of keep at bay like certain things, but I think Mr. Robot will be very critical of Krista. Like, you know that scene where Elliot was like, he he basically revealed that he'd hacked her 
Yeah. But he went through like a list of all her, not her, her wrongdoings, but like things that were going on with her. I feel like if it was Mr. Robot she was talking to, he would be a lot more menacing with that and a lot more very tooth and nail with it. Mm. So I think I think it's something that she you know when they they ask, oh I want to sit like I think that I know the kind of films you mean, but like they want to speak to the alter ego and then the alter ego ends up becoming the one in control of the conversation. Yes. I think it would turn like that. If she that's spoke to kind Mr. Of, Robot. That's kind of what I'm hoping, and that's why I'm hoping it happens, because I would love to see the interaction between Mr. Robot and Krista. Mm. Like Mr. Robot's very um, no nonsense, blunt, super anti-capitalism, like just his whole demeanor. I would love, I would love to see that conversation with Krista, with mm. the types of questions that Krista would undoubtedly ask. Um, I don't know. I just think it would be interesting. I think that would be really interesting and I really hope they do yeah. it. They haven't done it yet. I hope that they do it. That would be cool. I don't recall, I'll be honest. I don't recall. Oh. It's definitely, it's definitely some... It's definitely... Like, it's... I'm not shouting the dream so much as it might have happened. I've just completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. All right. Well, then, um, then we see White Rose again for the first time, I believe, in season two. And even though White Rose is just as dastardly, if probably not more than Philip Price... Still my favourite character. <laughs> I still like White Rose and I can't quite put my finger on why. But White Rose is speaking to Philip Price on the phone and Philip assures her that um, the UN would be voting on something by now. What was this vote on? Do you remember? Because I don't know if they actually made it clear. Um, oh, it, was, it was something to do with the hack. The last season there was something going on, but I don't. The UN I would assume they'll go more into detail. Yeah, um, so they haven't yet, but mm. um, they didn't in five and six. But yeah, I, I made a point to write that down because I was like, wait, the UN's involved in something? What's going on? But um, anyway, so White Rose switches from uh, the male voice that uh, she uses with Philip when she hangs up and kind of goes back to to um, herself, I guess. Um. Back to Joanne, she pops up at Scott Knowles's uh, office and um, wants to know what's going on with the severance package. Because as I mentioned, it wasn't, it's not the FBI that are holding it up. I didn't write what Scott said to her. Did, or do you remember, was it anything? Um, I think it was, she offers to testify against Tyrell. Um, Does she? I think in the murder trial. What? For his wife in exchange for the severance money, but he turns it down. Why did I not write that down? <laughs> I'm like, that's important. Um, okay. Uh, then Darlene. Darlene's ex lets her know that they are on the FBI's radar. I have a question about Darlene's ex. It doesn't happen till later, but fuck it. I'm bringing it up now because I'm curious. You know, in episode six, Yes. The Dark Army people show up and they argue in Mandarin or Cantonese. No, yeah. Mandarin, I think, is Mandarin. 
And the thing is, is where I was watching it, I couldn't see any subtitles. So I don't know if there were subtitle English subtitles provided when you watch it or supposed to be. I don't know if I was supposed to understand that conversation, but that's by the by. Then they inject something into his finger. They don't inject him. What they've done is they've, um, there was nothing in the needle. They just stuck the needle and broke it off. Why? So it's like, um, there's like torture techniques where like you put sticks under people's fingernails. Because it's like the most painful place you could like jam something basically. So like that needle's like stuck in his fingertip. And so that's like why it's he, wrapped up when he goes to the FCI yeah, club. Because, I mean, he probably, like, depending on the length of it, he might, he might not be able to bend his finger properly. Ouch. Okay. Like, I, I think Cisco is, like, a, mass, a massive dick. That made me feel a bit of sympathy for him when it happened to him. Hey, I felt so <laughs> I bad. I felt that. Anything involving fingernails, I feel that. It's just, oh. Mm. Anyway, so yeah, thanks for answering that, even though we skipped forward. But, but yeah, I just needed to know. I was very confused by that. Um, da da da, where was I? Oh, we're back to um, Happy Elliot in a way, because um, he sees a, a future full of like happy endings for mm. Darlene and for Tyrell. And he show, shows up and hugs poor Bill. <laughs> poor Bill. If you remember, guys, if you listen to. Um, was it the first part? Yeah, if you listen to the first part of season one where we re- recapped it on here, um, he was very awful to Bill, poor Bill, and he basically crushed his soul a little bit. So I thought it was really cute that they brought him back, like just for that little scene. <laughs> and Elliot, what do you think hug. Bill is doing these days? Oh God, <laughs> probably still crying. Yeah, so basically this whole sequence was just like a future with with friends and family for Elliot and everyone being happy, which I thought was was actually pretty cool, even though his face did look still a bit weird, but mm. not as bad as the ad roll scenes, so I'll take it. Um, okay, so then Darlene lets Elliot know that she needs his help. Uh, this is obviously now back in uh, present time. And he goes to Ray and offers to help him with the computer problem that he's been having. Ray tells Elliot that many prophets heard voices and that he could have divinity if he lets it. Ray's nefarious looking associate, Lone Star, comes in the room and Ray says if Elliot gets in trouble or needs help, Lone Star will be there and can reach Ray. Obviously, Ray's business uh, involves some kind of criminal activity. Elliot uses Ray's system to get info from Darlene and finds out that the FBI found the arcade and that Leslie Romero is dead. Elliot pulls up an article that reads the FBI switched from BlackBerry to Android and tells Mr. Robot that he's going to hack the FBI. And that's how episode four ends. What do you think? Is Ray right? Should I listen to the voice? Does it make me special? Like Moses. I don't have many options. My sister's in trouble. Someone's closing in on us, and at least for her sake. I have to find out what they know. Maybe this is how I fight for that future I want. What exactly are you doing? 
on hacking the FBI. So I'm going to go, I didn't research this at all, but I'm going to assume that that is real, that he pulled up a real article for the show um, about the FBI switching from BlackBerry to Android systems. I'm not too sure either, but I would assume so. I, like, I think there was, I vaguely remember something about Blackberries, like having like bad security. I'm just going to go, I'm just going to Google Blackberries 2016. I thought, what FBI? Seems like it was something to do with uh, Hillary's emails. Oh, bloody this was like this was like October 2016 that these were all reported. So I'm not that would be like that's before this episode even aired. Um, would have been I'm not too sure. Surely it would have been information that was yeah. available. I also feel like that's information the FBI shouldn't let out. That's what I was. I was like, why? Are you, why are we telling everyone, guys? Why are we telling everyone what systems everyone's using? How about you just don't mention it? Yeah, like like that that seems like the one thing they don't want is to just be like, here you go, guys. We're not gonna tell you how to get to it, but if you, you want a head start, here you yeah. go. What? You didn't get this from us, but you know, if you if you get bored one day, here you go. Ridiculous. All right, are you ready for oh no, what are your thoughts on episode four before we move on to five? Um quite enjoyed um episode four as well like it's mainly because i like when even though i know like well i don't really know what's happened with tyrell or anything like that but (laughs) i love a good police investigation where they're finding clues like i I love that aspect of like anything involving like police investigations on tv shows Mm. so like dom like kind of finding out the mystery and sort of like going through her side of things like i just i just anything involving dom i just i just love and then um obviously we're building up like the mystery of ray a little bit we've got the like everything involving romero and all that like it's building up and building up like the plot is starting to come in a bit more yes um yeah i agree and that's the reason why episode five which we'll discuss now is actually my favorite so far because Mm. that's very much about investigations and building plots and all that and that's my i love that i'm i'm huge fan of any type of police investigation type situation mm. um those types of shows are just very interesting to me anything that's a bit of a puzzle is, is a good time for me so um with that being said episode five so elliot breaks down the steps to his hacking method how he bypasses systems and how he get he avoids getting caught um, as he is actively hacking the FBI. So um, then we cut to Darlene, who's uh, who's broken into Angela's very fancy apartment and tells her that she needs to help Elliot because of her unwitting involvement in the biggest hack of the millennium, i.e. she put that CD in when her boyfriend was blackmailed last season. Uh, Darlene tells Angela to hack the FBI to help get rid of the evidence against Elliot and Angela, but Angela refuses because, of course, annoying. Um, can you tell I'm my exasperation of her character? <laughs> I'm trying I, not I, to sound I biased, but I'm just like I couldn't Ugh. even tell. <laughs> um, I think it's because I'm tired as well. It's hard for me to hide my disdain when I'm tired. Um, so Joanna is back with her, um, with Kareem 
who threatened to tell the FBI the truth. And he's still freaking out big time. Thinks the FBI knows that he lied to them and that they're like tapping his phone. He's like, I can hear stuff when I'm on the phone, like he's clicking. Um, he says, who are you protecting anyway? Some scrawny kid in a hoodie. And at that moment I was like, Joanna knows exactly what happened that night. She has to, mm. she has to know exactly what happened that night. It's just that we don't know yet. How she'd know is, is the bit for me. Cause obviously she, she's not been privy to anything involving Elliot with, with Tyrell, as far as we were aware in season one, she was more privy to all the stuff involving Scott Knowles. This is what makes me think like, this is why in season one, I obviously know that can't be the case now. Well, I think it can't be the case now. Who knows? In season one, I was not sure if Tyrell was real. Mm. This is the whole reason why. Because I'm like, well, how? What? Because <laughs> the fact that we only ever saw things from Elliot's perspective until Tyrell, then we started seeing stuff in Tyrell's perspective. And I was like, why are we saying what makes him special? Why do we see things from his perspective? And it's only because on the news they talk about Tyrell Wellick missing that I'm like, no, there's no way. <laughs> like, you know, when certain things happen and I'm like, no, 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 there's no way. But but is he real? No, there's no way he's not real. But is he? Like, that's all I've been doing with Tyrell because I don't understand what this what the point of this character is. I'm very confused. I'm confused by the interactions that Joanna has as well, which, ugh, I don't know. It's frustrating to me. Yeah, they, it's, Joanna's ones is it's she's playing like some other kind of game completely. That she, I don't, I don't know what her her goal is at the moment. It's like she's trying to she's trying to protect Tyrell, but you don't really know what's happened to Tyrell. I don't think she knows either. So I think she's trying to maybe she's just trying to stop him from being like implicated in in the Scott Knowles. There's like with her Scott Knowles wife dying. Possibly, like I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit lost on what Joanna's plot thread is at the moment. Like she's, because they, because they don't, they don't sit down and explain it to you either. Like no. she's, she's just kind of doing her own thing. Yeah, very much so, doing her own thing. But she's very much, she's trying to protect her family. I would say that much because obviously she, like, even though they, they seem like they're at odds with each other sometimes. Like she, she definitely loves Tyrell but like I think she's also maybe trying to protect herself and her reputation she's absolutely um protecting her family because mm. don't forget season one she induced her own labor oh god yeah yeah to avoid a conversation between, <sighs> between Tyrell and the police happening like she legit stabbed herself up the area to induce labor like she's not playing around when it comes to this so I'm fully like I'm fully with you on that one. She will do what it takes to protect her family. I just don't mm. understand what's happening. Like, I don't... There's a lot that's not really making sense. And I guess it's supposed to be that way because it's building the story, etc. But mm. there's a lot around her that makes no sense Um, to me. But anyway, we're in China. Um, There's a meeting that's happening between the FBI and the Chinese government. And White Rose is male presenting here. And uh, I believe they're at like the consulate or something like that. And um, Dom, the quirky FBI agent, brings up the dark army in the meeting. And everyone just kind of stops and looks at her. <laughs> um, and how they want to see all of the Chinese government's intel on the dark army. 
of course uh, at the time we don't know what white rose's um name is in that moment but uh white rose's character just kind of goes yes of course anything you need back in the states joanna got her uh, driver slash bodyguard person to kill kareem poor kareem and um joanna gave the most cold-blooded line i think i've heard delivered about why it was important to drug Kareem first before killing him. And she basically says it's so that he'd know why he was dying. Otherwise, they'd be nothing but ruthless murderers. Man, if I may, why drug him? Would have been just as easy to shoot and leave. Killing a man instantly robs him of explanation. He has no time to process his final moment. Now, even though he was paralyzed, his mind was still able to understand why his life was ending. We let him die with answers. Otherwise, we're nothing but ruthless murderers. Thank you. And then she starts singing to her baby <laughs> that scene was so cold-blooded i was it's like it's like a trait with um because i mean she's danish isn't she yes i think there's a trick so it's 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 clear tyrell's definitely lived in america a lot longer than she has because she's still she still speaks the language a lot a lot more um and i know it's like it seems to be a stereotype with Danish, with Danish people in like some TV shows where they don't get nuance. Oh, is that a thing? I think so. Cause there's another show I'm watching at the moment that has a Danish character that does not understand nuance at all. Like that's his whole, that's the whole like kind of gimmick of his character is he's literally just not, not, bl- not blunt is in a rude way, but blunt is in a, that could like, stuff that translates well here, like tone and sarcasm doesn't translate there. So like nuance of being like you just killed a man and now you're singing to your baby like she like she probably isn't being sinister in any way but well you never bloody know with her to be fair no I don't like know. it could just be that maybe she is being sinister actually to be honest it seems I, like she would be sinister at that moment I think she was being very sinister like just just that whole speech man the way mm. she delivered it was just eerie like it was just this eerie calm and so calm that she could then just start singing a lullaby to her baby like she's a great character i'll I'll tell i'll I'll give you that like they're great they're 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 great the way they've written her because shit she is disturbing as a character um she's she's just something else honestly just from from the moment you're introduced to her it's like okay what (laughs) yeah very interesting to say the least uh back in china while looking for the bathroom dom stumbles across a uh, a room full of clocks so we find out that uh, when when he is male presenting white rose goes by um mr jung so mr jung finds her in this room full of clocks and she asks him about them and he um he kind of gives this speech about time being important 
all this kind of stuff i'm not going to do it justice just you know watch it i'm sure there's probably it's probably been clipped on youtube or something um it gives this speech about basically how it motivates him etc so um he asked her after that how she became an fbi agent and she said that she's equally disgusted by the horrors of the world but um fascinated by them as well so he prods a bit further when they go into a different room and she reveals she ran away from a proposal at, like at law school and kind of looked at her life seven years later and she's a mid-level field agent they kind of have this weird kind of bonding moment um and at that moment we also find out that mr jung is china's minister of state security that's not terrifying at all he then shows her his closet full of gowns and says they belong to his sister. And even though I'm going out of order here, later on in the episode, Dom is talking to a colleague at, uh, at the hotel where the FBI are staying and mentions that she knows that Mr. Jung doesn't have a sister. So that was, I thought that was pretty cool because mm. she doesn't give that away at all in that scene. In the scene with him it kind of seems like they yeah. kind of he's fooling her but they're also bonding this kind of thing and she makes a point to like they make a point to write that in later which i thought was cool it's like sowing sowing the seeds is like something for later on for definitely yes. like it's like it's an it's an interesting thing to bring out because she's like piecing a puzzle together and now that's like something that might seem kind of small but like in time you kind of realize it's part of like a much bigger picture it's the, like it's, it's unrelated to what she's investigating right now like just absolutely it's very much giving the pulling of a thread she's that type of investigator which is my favorite type of investigator i used to literally grow up re-watching and re-watching colombo episodes because he's that type of investigator it's the pulling out a thread being like hmm, that doesn't really make sense and just being super quirky and pulling and pulling and pulling next thing you know the whole thing is like revealed mm. um and i feel like that's what she that's what this character is designed to do which i love big fan uh back in the states elliot and angela meet and there's a beautiful bit of um vulnerability from elliot he even says that his um dead father is standing behind her at one point and uh she says that she she'd like to be his friend and someone that he can talk to i thought that was a very cute moment it was very reminiscent of when we were first introduced to angela when they were having that conversation mm. all safe and that's the angela i like <laughs> so um i thought that was that was pretty nice i thought that was written really nicely as well it's very simple but really well really well executed so um elliot's hacking for ray remember all the nice things that nathan has said about ray <laughs> listeners <laughs> and how, how seemingly trustworthy and all, and all sorts that he is there was a bit of instruction that he had given i don't think i'd mentioned this earlier but there was an instruction that he had given elliot when elliot agreed to help him with his site that he just would never look into it he'd never look at the site so just remember that uh, <laughs> Elliot is being helped by a man that's clearly in duress with a bloody face to um, do something with the site, hacking stuff. You know me, I don't do that terminology well. Anyway, they're communicating instead of hacking on the computer while Lone Star, Ray's 
nefarious bodyguard type person is uh, sitting nearby so this man he shows Elliot the site that um, that he's helping Ray with and of course Elliot looks because he can't fucking help himself and it's a horrific black market site where literally everything is sold uh guns drugs children everything horrible place Elliot then goes into a bit of a tailspin about what type of person Ray is while Mr Robot tries to get him to forget it and move on uh Elliot makes a point of saying that he can't get past Ray's black market of evil what did you think of that? Did, was that a surprise to you? Of um, I yeah, I think character? it was a well executed twist in the like you you don't expect it at all. Like there's no there's been no kind of hints at all that anything sit well. You kind of get a hint with the people that he associates with because they like he has that really kind of tough looking dude that's hanging out with him. And it's like Ray seems like a perfectly nice guy. Why has he got? Why has he even got a bodyguard in the yeah. first place? So that's the kind of only hint you get of any kind of sinisterness. And then it's this is just, it throws you in the deep end of who he really kind of is. And it, it's just unexpected. I think there were certain parts that were unexpected for me. So I, I was prepared for the guns and the drugs. I'm not going to lie. Was mm. prepared for it. Um, and was kind of fine with it, <laughs> if I'm honest. But then it was just like, oh, the child trafficking. Why? Why did we have to add that in? Oh, it was horrible. Yeah. Like, it just was awful. And yeah, that part really did shock me and made me feel very ill. Um, but yeah, the other stuff, I mean, yeah, there's criminal activity. It was clear that it was criminal activity. Mm. Lone Star as a character being around was, it was all giving that you're not doing things by the book but just how fucking evil it was no i definitely didn't ex expect that at all um all right well then we cut away to joanna who gets a call that she thinks is from tyrell um on the phone she hears because the person doesn't speak but she hears a, a fire engine alarm that she can also hear outside of her home and she kind of rushes out but can't see anyone um but the fire engine kind of goes by you can see it in the distance but she can't see anyone which makes you think that if it is Tyrell he's outside the house at that moment and then disappeared or something I, I don't know this Tyrell storyline is getting on my nerves <laughs> I want to know what's happened to him I want to know where he is what's going on um that's just doesn't see it's one thing I will say is it doesn't seem in his nature to do that kind of thing to Joanna that's true to me but then well, then, like I said, they're never really at odds with each other, really. Like, you feel, it's for some reason, when I look, think back on them, I feel like there's a lot of conflict between them, but there's, there's really not. Yeah. Like, they're both on the same wavelength with, like, the goal they have. I guess. Yeah, that is weird, actually. Now that you mention it, it does feel a bit out of character for him to do that. Maybe that wasn't him. Maybe it's someone playing with her. Who knows? Who the fuck knows anymore? Who even knows with this show? Um, okay, then we cut to Angela, who's being very sneaky. She's switching cabs. 
she uh, then gets on a subway she's like worried about being followed she's doing all of these super sneaky maneuvers to get to this destination uh we find out that the destination is the f society hub she's gone to meet darlene and it was actually darlene's instructions it was her route that uh, angela followed so angela then walks into the new f society hub and sees the team i think it's just trenton and mobley yeah his name was yeah mobley um sat there kind of just staring blankly at her <laughs> which was funny and the episode ends with uh so remember i mentioned before the hotel that the fbi is staying in in china mm-hmm. the episode ends with the gun some gunman turn, turning up and shooting up the hotel um literally just very violent it was very violent now out of the blue because she was literally in the middle of a conversation with that woman and then the woman got shot in the head it was just a bit much but um yeah there's a bunch of shooting happening a bunch of fbi getting killed dom kind of rushes behind uh this this bar bit and she she kind of hides there she manages to shoot one of the gunmen in the leg and then as she turns because we're kind of the camera stays with dom so we only see what dom sees we can obviously hear what's going on um but the kind of the camera pans with dom as she looks around the bar and can and she can see the gunman's on the floor because he shot her in the leg she shot him in the leg and he just shoots himself in the head um which you know that's normal and then there's another gunman there's a second gunman who basically has has her cornered she has her gun but he obviously has some kind of automatic weapon and i think she's like the only one that's alive left in this hotel and then it cuts right back away to America where Ray's guys have snatched Elliot up out of bed. And it's clear that Ray has had the guy, that man that was in distress, who showed Elliot the website killed. And um, Ray tells Elliot, I told you not to look. And that's the end of episode five. Very dramatic. Does not have that guy's finger? No, it was his rat tail. Oh, that was, yeah, with, with like... scalp. And there was yeah. there was dripping, yeah. like they made a point to add the side effects. It's like, yeah, that guy is dead. Ugh. That guy's very dead. <laughs> That's worse than the finger, Jesus. <laughs> I know. You'd always refer the finger, but that was like a bit of scalp with some hair. It's, it's it's something, oh, something really impressive about the show is like it has its violent moments, like that show is like that shootout, but they never go like anything over the top violent gory. But the moments they do. Uh, like you don't see the act you see the aftermath of this kind of violent thing that's happened and you just kind of like they're, they're really good at bringing that horror into things Out, outright showing the violence like it's ugh. they're good at making making you jump like they'll mm. not even jump because it's not a jump scare but they will make you gasp like they will shock you mm. like the fact that she was in the middle of that conversation with her, her colleague um, in the hotel, Dom was in the middle of a conversation with her colleague, and it was just after she'd said about, oh, Mr. Jung doesn't have a sister. Then it's like they're just having a normal conversation, grabbing coffee from a bar, and the woman she is talking to literally gets shot in the head. There are moments on that where you're like, whoa! <laughs> like, I, was, I was just watching a show, what the hell? <laughs> What's just happened? Um, but yeah. So, thoughts, episode five. As I mentioned, so, episode five was my favorite so far. So again, again, great episode. Like it's bit like it's it's building more plot, which is what what I love. Like my 
my main issue with like season two was that I always found it to be a bit slow, but I think it's because I like, I think it's because it's got an, two extra episodes. I didn't until now didn't consider episode one and two to be finishing off series one. Yeah. Now with that in mind, I can see that it does move at a no- more normal pace. Mm-hmm. Like the reveal, the reveal on Ray kind of shows that they can still pull off those twists after like how masterfully they managed to do the Shayla thing, the Darlene thing, the Mr. Robot thing. Like, they can still, they they still have that ability. You know, like, and especially when you're, you're going to be looking hard for that now. Once they, once they pull the rug out from you that many times, you're going to be looking hard for anything you can really now. It is one of those shows where you're, they've they've written it in a way and they've shocked you enough that you're going to just be looking for clues constantly. Mm. Always. And they build up a lot. They build back on a lot from like stuff in season one in this one as well. Yeah. So like you got like Andrew being brought in because of the all safe CD. Um, you've got the parking attendant thing like that kind of which which didn't even feel like a plot line you really needed to think about. I mean, I didn't season. even realize that Kareem was the parking attendant. It was that subtle. So. Mm. Which yeah. they've done that a few times. They've done this quite subtle thing of having a, like a character that you've not really thought about come in and just bring them into the fold somehow. Masterful bit of writing that. Mm. Very good. Uh, and, um, the yeah. only only thing about it is, right, Minister, I, I've been pronouncing it as Zhang, so I'm not no, sure Zhang. exactly how, it's Zhang, right? Yeah. Minister Zhang, is him showing... Dominique the dresses as if she wasn't going to mention that to someone see this is the thing I I don't know if it was a moment of him being cocky because mm. that, that was my first reaction was oh he's cocky Why he, he has he has those moments for definite of like cockiness where you could think he he would pull that move thinking oh I'll get away with this be right but, into their nose but then if you think about it why wouldn't he if he is behind the shooting because she's of course yeah um although based on her conversation in episode six maybe she's not supposed to be dead Mm. more on that now uh episode (laughs) good segue good segue thanks so much i didn't even mean to do that i was like could you tell i was so (laughs) proud of myself (laughs) um Episode six, Elliot wakes up in a TV show. Um, so he's in TV show format, complete with laugh track. And uh, he's in a car or in a convertible with his mum, dad and Darlene. It's, uh, as I said, it's a sitcom style TV show with a laugh track. And um, I made a point to write this in my notes. Uh, Rami Malik does that confused face so bloody well. It is honestly... Probably my favourite thing about this show is the moments when he wakes up in some weird fucking thing and he's just so confused. I love that look on his face. It's great. Mm. I'll tell you, one thing I'll be clear on this, right? I hated this entire opening bit. Like, I don't know why, but like, I, I always hate when they do a dark sitcom thing. Because um, obviously you've got like the weird moments where like their mum literally punches Darlene out twice yeah yeah and it's played off for like obviously it's not played off for laughs in the show but in like the sitcom thing it's played for laughs yeah it it reminded me of have you ever seen natural born killers no so it's a really trippy movie 
but there's it's um, Woody Harrelson and Juliet Lewis. Uh, and they're basically a couple who are just murderers. That's basically oh, their whole thing. Wait, I think I have. That's yeah, it, it, it it's like three different genre films at one point. It's weird. And then like the middle act is when they meet and it's framed as a sitcom. Like you've got a laugh track and everything, but like it's actually really, really grim. Oh, I think I have seen that. I'm just Googling. Yeah, it like there yeah, with familiar. Yeah, with the dad with like the dad and everything. Mm. And like they like they kill the dad in that, and like it's the whole thing is played for laughs. It reminded me of that a bit. I don't know if that was intentional because obviously season one was very um, Fight Clubish. Yes, like some obvious like references and kind of homages to that and influence. Mm. I don't know if that was an influence to this or not. It really made me think of that, but for some reason, well, I'm I looking just... at I'm looking at an image now. Yeah, the car was similar. Hmm. Maybe it was then. Maybe, maybe I've just spotted something that I wasn't meant so, to. Yeah, I think you have. Um, the car was similar. Similar looking convertible. Hmm. So, might be onto something there. Possibly. Because I know that, I think it's meant to be like the same car that they have as um, when Elliot's a kid. Because I think there's a scene in this one with Elliot as a kid. Yeah, but that's not the car. Oh, it's not. It's a different car, is it? On that it's bit, a different car. Yeah. Oh no, I'm, t- I'm talking shit. Then, no mind. No, no, no. It doesn't look like the car because <laughs> the car that he, you mean the car when he's uh, in with the dad, when his dad, uh, when his dad talks mm. about the shop and everything. Yeah, at the end. No, no, no. That looked like a different car to me. Maybe it's because the roof was up, but it did look like a different car to me. I could be wrong. Hmm. Um. Oh, that was a beautiful scene. I can't wait to talk about it. But it was right at the end, so I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we're in this sitcom thing. Um, they're in this convertible car. Someone's banging in the boot of the car as Elliot and his dad are talking. Turns out that it was a blindfolded and tied up Tyrell Wellick. Confused. For some reason, Gilliam shows up as a police officer in this weird, clearly a dream that Elliot's having. Um, oh, and then it kind of becomes obvious to me in that moment that this is happening either while he's getting up or uh, getting beat up, sorry, or or some point after while he's recuperating um anyway so gideon as this police officer gets run over and killed immediately (sighs) okay um again for the laugh track elliot's mum um like you mentioned punches her punches darlene out twice also burns a cigarette in her forearm as well I made a point of writing that down. I didn't understand why any of this happened. It was all very weird. But then Elliot um, was having a conversation with his dad in this dream thing about how his delusions basically protect him from reality. Mm. And just kind of as he's having that realisation, he then wakes up in this kind of makeshift hospital with uh, Ray giving him a speech about his dog and some other stuff. Did you? Uh, was there anything poignant in that? I'm sure there was, but I didn't write it down because it was just very long-winded. I think I think it was just a case of Mr. Robot was basically protecting Elliot so that he didn't essentially it was Elliot's off in this kind of like fantasy world and Mr. Robot's technically the one being beaten up. Yeah, no, no, I like got he's that helped bit. Elliot shut I that bit really off. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the speech that Ray was giving when he woke up. Do you oh, know he was talking about no, I don't dog and something else. Oh yeah, he's talking about. Um, caring for his dog wasn't he it was like the vet 
Um, and I think he was trying to explain that's where they were. I don't know. I didn't really understand it. And I just was like, ah, let's move on. Um, I don't remember the full transcript, but I vaguely remember the speech, but I couldn't, I couldn't say what it was focusing about. I didn't know if there was something in there that was like a gem. I'm sure because of the way they write this show, I'm sure there was, but it just mm. went over my head maybe. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely with you with the whole um, Mr. Robot kind of giving giving Elliot this safe space in his mind almost yeah. so that he can endure horrible things and it's almost like Mr. Robot's taking his place. Um, yeah, I I love that. And I love that that gets explained more in the episode. Um, so at F Society, Angela is being taught how to hack. This was a very funny couple of scenes for me. Because it was obvious how everyone was just like, oh, why? Why have we got a teacher how to hack? Like, it was just, it was so funny. And um, Mobley was just kind of like, um, okay. Um, that was funny to me. It's that kind of contempt you get where you've done something so much that when you go to show someone it, you, don't, you every single thing you've got in your mind of, oh, I remember when I started doing this, I was quite slow in it. That goes out of your mind. You're like, why don't you know how to do this already? Yeah. Why don't like explaining you it once is enough. You're like, come on, don't be ridiculous. You should know how to hack by now. I've shown you it once. Come on. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, she did a better job than I bloody would. If someone was trying to explain that to me, I'd just be like, look, if it isn't friggin' HTML to build a MySpace page and make it fancy, I'm out. I can't do it. It's just not for me. Um, okay, so, yeah, then we see that scene with the Dark Army. I thought that they'd injected something in Cisco's finger, but nope, it was a torture. I literally just... It, it's. I think it's like one of those um, Chinese torture things. Like, I know it was like something about bamboo under the fingernails or something you ever heard of like that kind of thing the what say that again like bamboo under fingernails something like that i think it was like an old old kind of yeah i think it's like uh, something like that like god but it's yeah like i it's just like it was like in his fingers like i think it's a case of he won't be able to bend his finger depending on the length of that nail but like that that thing is gonna just fucking it it's like a massive splinter basically well that will explain why his fingers all wrapped up when he goes mm. to um, the f society hub now that interaction with angela and cisco obviously angela recognized him with the whole cd thing now mm. she acted like she didn't was that for darlene's benefit because it was clear that darlene didn't know that they knew each other I think so, but um, has she ever revealed that? No, she did reveal to Anne, to um, Darlene the like what Ollie ended up doing, didn't she? Darlene knows about the CD because that's she'd mentioned it to her. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I think it was more a case of she just didn't want to. Uh, it was your it was your boyfriend that did it, kind of thing. Like I, I'm not sure really. I don't, I don't understand don't, that because yeah, I don't know where the logic is in that. One. If Darlene knows about this, like, because Darlene definitely knows about the CD, she brought it up, right, when she broke into her flat. So she knows about the CD. She doesn't know about the origin of the CD. Why wouldn't she know about the origin of the CD? Because the CD clearly came from the Dark Army, who she Mm -hmm. asked to work with them, as in F Society. And she knows that Cisco is the go-between for the Dark Army because she went to Cisco. So... 
Why didn't Darlene know? Why was Darlene shocked? Because she was like, oh, what's this then? Why was she shocked? And then, like, what? Unless, <laughs> like... kind of threw me a little bit. I feel yeah, like unless Cisco didn't know they knew each other. That seems like it'd be plausible. Like, maybe... But then that, that's, that's a thing for... Oh, yeah, I guess. Because then what, who would tell her? But then why did yeah. Angela pretend not to know him? I don't know. I'm not sure that one. That's I feel I like that's important by that one. because it didn't make sense. I feel like that's important. Why is that? Why was that thrown in there? Why was that awkwardness and that thing thrown in in the right? It can't be for nothing, you know. Yeah, I'm not, that's yeah. That one's got me puzzled. There. I don't know. Again, it could just be me overthinking because that's what this show does to me now. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that was a weird little scene at the F Society Hub. Anyway, Dom is trying to convince her boss that the Dark Army was behind the terrorist attack. That's what it's being labelled as. And um, that, you know, it was a Dark Army that actually got her colleagues killed. The basis of this is that both gunmen killed themselves. So that's how we as the audience find out that the second gunman also turned the gun on himself. And she's just like to her boss guy she's like look he had me completely cornered why didn't he kill me and that's when i was like maybe my little theory was wrong maybe um maybe when when i was just saying to you then that um um mr jung showing him showing her the dresses maybe he felt comfortable to do that to do so knowing that she would be killed well if the gunman had the opportunity to kill her as well and didn't that can only be under the Dark Army's instructions. Does that make sense? So maybe yeah, the plan yeah. wasn't to kill her, in which case then why was he so cocky about the dress thing? But then I find Mr. Jung is almost like the Chinese equivalent of um, Philip Price, right? Like Philip Price is the American Mr. Yeah, Jung, right? They are basically equals, yeah. And I I find that Philip Price is... Philip Price also does things that don't make sense like that, like how he was how he was with Angela and mm. taking her under his wing, effectively. I thought that was a very weird move in season one. And that's probably just a very, like, if you're that level, if you have that much power and you, you have that level of arrogance and cockiness, you're probably going to do stuff like that because who's going to hold you accountable? Yeah, it's to make, I guess it's to make the whole, well, he, he'd see it as a game. It's to make the game more interesting. Throw yourself a hat, like a handicap. Yeah. yeah. That must be that it. One. That must be it. Unless you know in what, like a way. Well, powerful people get bored, don't they? They do this type of shit all the time. Yeah. Because like part of me is like, like in the way that like Philip's taken Angela under his wing. I was going to say like maybe Shang wants to take uh Dom under his wing, but I he, he, no, that that wouldn't make wow. any sense. He wouldn't. Yeah. He wouldn't. He might though. We never bloody know with these people. Honestly, hmm. who even knows? Um, yeah. Or so is an act for the FBI possibly to kind of move the investigation towards something else? Yeah, and she does say that. To be fair, in that when she's talking to her boss and saying that you know this terrorist incident wasn't really a terrorist incident, like it was purposeful mm. to throw off the investigation, she does make a point of saying that. So yeah, maybe that's what it is. 
Um, all right, so Angela's now at the FBI building. She's on a floor she's not supposed to be on, and she's carrying out the instructions as uh, as is being dictated to her in her ear by uh, Mobley and Darlene. So she ends up having to flirt her way out of almost getting caught while trying to carry out this hack. Um, she has that to made go me back. So uncomfortable. Oh, that was uncomfortable. Like, that dude that was... is like, yeah, just like threatening to be like, well, you're not supposed to be on this floor, but you know. Meet me for dinner and I might not tell my bosses. I like, was a total creep. Disgusting. Nah. Total, total creep. Um, yeah. So then it looks like she's made it out because she's ended up flirting with a guy who ended up saying that she'll go out for lunch with him or something and gets herself out of that. She's literally on her way out, almost made it home free. And Darlene says, nope, you have to go back in. Something's gone wrong. And while she's in there, she runs into Dom. And that is not the person you want to run into if you are doing something you're not meant to be doing. Um, yeah, we'll find out what happens with that later, I guess. So yeah. um, towards the end of episode six, Mr. Robot shows up when Elliot is at his worst and says that he was just trying to take the punches for him. Oh, God, I actually felt myself almost cry at that moment and I knew it was stupid, but I could feel it. <laughs> Elliot thanks him and hugs him and uh, cuts to a scene from when Elliot was younger in the car with his dad after Elliot had clearly been in a fight or something at school. He had a massive bruise on his face. Um, Elliot's dad tells him this story about a boss that he'd had that had ended his contract over certain dates when he had to leave early, like leave his work early. He explained to Elliot that those dates were appointments with the doctors and Basically, this little analogy thing that he was giving him is the way that he broke it to his son that he was sick with cancer. And that was a lot to, <laughs> to like kind of wrap my head around because I was like, oh, is that how you break the news? Cool. I mean, he even makes a point to say, don't tell your mom. Like, he's not even told anyone. Let's keep this between us. And he's just like, that's so much to put on a child. What were the dates? They were all appointments with a doctor. I had to leave early for some blood work. What? What do you mean? I'm sick, Elliot. That's what they're telling me for a while now. I've been trying to keep it from everybody, your mom, Darlene, work. You. Come on, kiddo. The world isn't going to get rid of me that easily. I'm going to be okay. I'm never going to leave you. I promise. I, was, I, I can kind of relate to that because like my uh, nan like she passed away from cancer when I was 10 and me and my brother were never told because we were too young to understand it I would have said yeah. and Elliot in that scene he must be I want to say he's about did they ever say how old he was when Mr. Robot passed away they don't they mention his age when he fell out the window wait did they I remember now I don't know I actually don't remember if I'm honest I don't know, but he's young. He's like preteen, I think. Or mm. just, just like maybe 12, 13, he looks. 
yeah, it's it's it's. I, I like these scenes where because obviously with Mr. Robot being a figment of Elliot's imagination now, the scenes mm. where you see him being his dad, because you see little flickers of that every now and then, like in this instance, like this scene, for instance, in the modern day, where it's like he's been like a dad for him. Yeah. So when you see him being a dad to him in the flashbacks, it's like it's very it's 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 they're very nice scenes to see they are i mean aside from that the way that he broke to him that he was ill that whole sequence is actually very very sweet and um especially right at the very end when we find out that the name of elliot's dad's shop obviously mr robot um was actually made up by elliot because Mm -hmm. his dad said to him i've just got this store it's like a fixer-upper um and Elliot's like, oh, can I work there one day? And he's just like, yeah, of course. And then you can also you can also name it whatever you want. First thing you think of when we arrive, and literally the car pulls up, and you see young Elliot's eyes just kind of like light up as he sees the building. Oh, come on, enough of this gloom and doom. Why dwell on the past when we can take a peek into the future? The site of my new gig. That's where I'm taking you. I'm opening a store. Computers. Everybody wants to have one. We love them. Figured it made sense. You're gonna have a computer store? <laughs> Can I work there? Don't see why not. In fact, I will give you your first assignment right now. I want you to come up with a name. What? Stores need a name, right? I can name it. Whatever I want. All right, tell you what. When we pull up, the first thing that comes into your mind, that'll be the name. Really? No, it's coming up here on the right. Just keep those eyes on the road. And that's how the episode ends. And it was such a cute ending. Um, I got skosh emo- emotional, I won't lie. But um, yeah, that was a really, really sweet ending. And that was the end of episode six. So we were halfway through season two. What are your uh, what are your final thoughts for this first half of the season? Um, I, I quite like how this mystery is unraveling. It's, it's unraveling a bit differently like how season one's mystery did, because... Once it did the twist, you didn't even know season one had a mystery, really, mm. except for like brief moments. Like I like how the Dark Army are more involved, how Shang is more involved now as well. Like Dom investigating, like I'm loving those scenes, and like kind of getting a a nice kind of reminding of what the relationship between Elliot and Mister Robot is. Because yeah. it's easy to forget that that's his dad. Like it's meant to be a manifestation of his dad. Mm. Like, like you kind of you have these moments where you think, oh, they're the same, they're the same person, and you have moments where you think, oh, they are two entirely different characters and just share the same face. Like it's, it's, it's nice to have those moments of it. Like I, I, I don't quite know why I don't like that sitcom opening thing, but I think it's just because, obviously, we're meant to be horrified by the things that are played for laughs in the in the laugh track, but I think that bit just, I don't know, it just bothers me. Like it's like I'm taking it too seriously when I watch that bit. 
Like I'm not, I'm, it's like I'm watching an actual sitcom that finds those bits funny. Possibly. But I, I don't like the sitcom opening bit, but I liked everything else afterwards. Yeah, the sitcom bit was weird. Um, could have done without it, but you know, it, it is what it is. I loved episode six. It was great. Um, obviously I mentioned before episode five was my favorite in terms of the story building mm. and everything, but I loved especially the ending of episode six. I thought it was so mm. cute, so well done. And like you say, there's a lot of answers to mysteries that whether we knew there were mysteries or not, there's, I like, so I mentioned, I like shows that are puzzling, challenging, keep me guessing, that type of thing. What I don't like though, is sometimes you go into a season two of something, let's say, and there are just more questions being built one mm. after the other, after the other, after the other. This this show builds a bunch of questions, of course, and, and is and expanding on a plot, on a new plot, but it also makes sure to tie things up nicely for me that have already happened. And I yeah. like that. Like, give me answers. Yes, you can frustrate. Like, I'm frustrated with the whole Tyrell thing. I'm impatient. I get it. But tie up some other things in a nice little bow for me, and that will kind of keep me going, if that makes sense. And I think they're really yeah. good at doing that. And I really appreciate that about the show. There's no, like, yeah. hanging plot threads or anything, like, exactly. around, which is something you hate with, like, it, it, it kind of shows that they wrote a lot of the show ahead of time which I quite appreciate. Like, I think they had um, five seasons planned out when they got the first season. Nice. So, like, I, I, I always like a show that's like that. It thinks ahead, so you're not just having something where a random plot device just turns up or, like, a random character that's never been mentioned before just turns up that's related to everybody else in, this, in the show, you know? Yeah. Me too. I like that about um, I like that about shows. I love when writers do that because... One, I just love the the goal, the confidence in thinking, yeah, we're mm. going to have five shows out of this. Not only is this show going to be picked up, there's going to be five seasons or whatever. Um, so I love that. But I also like a well-crafted uh, plot line. And I mm. like things being tied up nicely. I don't want things thrown in for no reason. I want everything to have some kind of meaning. And some of my favorite shows are written in that way and i think that's probably and i'm not going to go into a rant about it i promise but that's probably why i hated the final season of game of thrones so much mm. <laughs> because it was like what was the point of it all <laughs> like that's how that's literally what i just yelled at the end of it i was just it's, like what's the point of just, all they were of it rushing they're rushing to a conclusion that they, exactly they, they had they rushed to it because they purposely set themselves a goal of doing it in six episodes as and well, like they they could have had more. They could have gone on for another season. Like they should they shouldn't have gone on for another season anyway, given the quality. But they could have had as much time as they wanted to end that. And it's just it. I'm not. I'm not going to rant about it. I'm not. I'm just not. I'm not going to do um, it. But... One standout thing from this episode, by the way, that I forgot to yeah. mention was when Elliot when uh, Tyrell gets out of the boot. I love the bit where he runs away, but he runs into the set of the TV show they're on. Who does? Say that again? Yeah, Ty Tyrell, when he gets out of the boot in the sitcom. Oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah, the one yeah, thing yeah. I remember it. It's where he runs. He, he runs. runs into the set of the TV show. It's like it's a fake backdrop. He runs into that, doesn't he, and falls over. Oh, yes. Yes, he does. Like, Sorry, it took me a second. Like, you don't you don't get much kind of comedy in the show, but that, that worked quite well. because it, it, I like that kind of comedy that subverts those things. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty decent. Um. That's the main standout thing. That's the nicest thing I'll say about the sitcom. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a Skosh Truman show a little bit. 
Yeah, that and the Alf reference kind of I only vaguely know what Alf is. Yeah. So it did not have an impact on me at all. Because I think not? it was I think a lot of it was based from maybe like it's maybe like um Elliot's kind of childhood nostalgia. It must be, because like they, they literally made a point of cheering. Like mm. the laugh track thingy was there was like a cheering sound when Alpha came on and I was just like, All right, I guess. Yeah, like um, I just know it's some weird alien and that's about it. Like that that's all I know about it. I don't I couldn't tell you the show it was on. I couldn't tell you what on earth it is. I know it's an alien from a sitcom and that's it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um but yeah, other than that sitcom thing, episode six was episode six was good. Um I loved the ending, as I said. I love that we've got some uh some answers, as I said, and that they keep pulling things from the past to make more sense of stuff. Very much looking forward to the next six. And we are going to be discussing those in a separate episode because as you can see, this episode is already very long, just talking about the first half. So Part two of season two of uh, Mr. Robot will be coming up soon. Um, probably not next week, because I don't think I'm going to have time to actually do it. So it'll just be the next regular episode, which will be in two weeks. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll have time. Do you reckon what? Do you reckon you'd have time to watch the six this week and chat about them again? I think if I do like one in the evenings, I think my problem is I keep doing these all in one go. <laughs> So it all kind of just like bl- bl- blurs like together at a certain point. Episodes as well. So doing them in one go is tough, man. I don't have a lot to do in the evenings after done. That's my that's my main issue. <laughs> Honestly, um, I, I, I it's not even a judgment thing. I miss being. Able to do that. <laughs> I'm genuinely not even judging. I miss being able to do that. I used to do that with so many different series. Um, I would watch a binge. I'd love nothing more than to save up a bunch of episodes and just binge watch but because now I'm like continuously working from home and my schedule has mm. just gone out of control um I work so much all day and most of the night that I barely have time to even catch up on a weekly show just like a one episode yeah. um so I do miss binge watching but yeah you get, the- t- you get tv burnout though if you binge like I I recently started American Horror Story for the first time mm. and I I've been half watching it since season three. I'm I was three episodes into season five and I've fully given up. Because <laughs> the, prob- the problem with binge watching that is you realise how how similar each season is, like in mm-hmm. certain things. And you just kind of like, oh, they've done this all before. I just I haven't got the patience for it now. <laughs> I, I'm not even gonna skip this because they're all self-contained things like i'm not even gonna skip this and go for another season and see if i prefer that i'm just i'm just leaving i can't be asked at this point can't even be asked well all right let's let's do this because i want to wrap this up because i'm actually excited to uh watch the rest of the season so if i give myself like basically two weeks to watch it i know mm. i'm going to end up just like not watching it for ages and i kind of want to force myself to so should we say we'll each do we'll do an episode a night and we'll get it try and get this done yeah and reconvene so we can put this out next week part two yeah, yeah. yeah that sounds good to me sick okay cool 
All right. Um, well, thank you for joining me, Nathan, and passing part one. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. And if you like this episode or any other of the Pod of Mercy episodes, please, please rate us on um, iTunes. Give us five stars, please. Thanks so much. Share it with a friend and all that good stuff. And we'll catch you next week for part two of season two of Mr. Robot, breaking it down with my special guest co-host, Nathan. Um, Nathan, anything you'd like to promote before we go? Um, so just twitter and instagram like i normally do so my my twitter is nathers jones so n-a-t-h-e-r-s jones which is if you can't spell that then don't bother um and nathunk is my design instagram so i do like a lot of kind of like flyers and things for different events album covers um so if you want to see my design work it's n-a-y-f-u-n-k nathunk on instagram Perfect. And those will be linked in the description box as well. So thank you for tuning in and we'll see you for part two next week. Bye. Bye.